Here we go, folks. I know we had some issues. I know in the past it hasn't always gone perfectly. But today we're going to try our hardest. Going to try our hardest. Get shit together, folks. Put it together. This episode of the Joe Rogan Experience podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. If you go to Audible.com forward slash Joe, you will get one free audiobook and... You will get 30 free days of Audible service. If you have never used Audible.com or heard of them, it's an excellent resource for audiobooks, perhaps the best on the net, and that's a strong statement, but I stand by it. More than 100,000 different titles, um, uh, great books like our friend Chris Ryan's Sex at Dawn, that's, on, uh, that's available on Audible. You can get that for free if you go to audible.com forward slash Joe. Uh, if you don't use audiobooks, you're a silly bitch because they're awesome. It's great if you have to travel, if you get stuck in traffic, if you're sitting on a bus. It's, it's an, a, an amazing thing that can take an otherwise wasted moment in time and actually make it enjoyable and make, make it educational and make, you know, enrich yourself while you're on the bus, bitch. Get it together. And if you go to audible.com forward slash Joe, you can get it together for free for 30 bucks or for 30 days, rather. 30 days for free audio service and one free audio book. Go try it. Check it out. We are also brought to you by Hover. Hover is a domain name company that's owned by the same people that own Ting. And if you know how, how gushy and, and lovey we are to Ting, you know that we feel the same way about Hover. Uh, the idea behind Ting, what I, what I love about it, is that they're trying to give you a, a, a great deal on excellent service. And they're trying to make things as sort of as easy and ethical, as, as simple and fair as possible. And that same sort of attitude is taken up by Hover. Um, they try to provide you with things for free that other domain name companies will make you charge for, like who is domain name privacy. Um, if you go to hover.com forward slash Rogan, you will get 10% off your domain name registrations. I actually have domains registered through Hover. Um, I, I got a bunch of them that I'll probably never use, but like I had what? an idea. I, I can't tell you right uh, now, man. I can't tell you. I had a project in mind. Um, but, uh, but you know what? I don't, I have kids and projects. I start them up and then I go, Jim, what the fuck am I doing with this? The weed. Silly website (laughs) idea. But if you wanted to uh, register a website, I mean, I obviously run actual web. I mean, I have JoeRogan.net and there's other websites, but if you want to start your own, hover's the way to go. Go check it out. And, uh, I believe you get a free domain name registration if you sign up for more than a year. Right. Isn't Mm -hmm. it something like that? Yeah. Free domain uh, with a year. Yeah, it's it's an awesome company. So go check it out. Hover.com forward slash Rogan. Go there. Save some money. Uh, we are also bought to you by, is that it? No, we have one more, right? Uh-huh. Oh, Stamps.com. Yeah. Stamps.com, which uh, if, you, uh, if you've ever seen those silly Death Squad kitty cat t-shirts that Brian Redband creates, and if you haven't seen them, go to DeathSquad.tv. They're, they're pretty badass, and uh, especially the hypnotic looking one, the mm-hmm. psycho, psychedelic cat. I love that little fucker. But uh, Brian sends all that stuff through Stamps.com. Um, if you are uh, someone who runs your own business, going to the post office can be a real pain in the ass. It's a long wait in line to deal with some unenthusiastic person who doesn't really want to weigh your shit and tell you how much it costs. Oh, it's a pain in the ass. It's a huge drag. And then there's like those people waiting behind you. Are like, really? You're you're bringing boxes of shit in here? 
you can actually do all this stuff right from your desk. All you have to do is you know, go to stamps.com and, and, and check out how it works. You, you buy and print actual official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. They send you a digital scale. It calculates the exact postage. There's a little um, microphone. If you go to stamps.com, there's a little microphone in the upper corner. Ooh. If you click on it and uh, enter the promo code JRE, you will get a uh, $110 bonus offer, which includes a digital scale and up to $55 of free postage. It's an excellent service, folks. And it, again, if you run a business and you don't use stampsbike.com, you're, you're really being silly because it will make your life so much more simple. If you have to dread those treks to the post office. I'm sure, th- I'm sure that scale will be good for uh, weighing out tobacco, too. How dare you? How dare you in the middle of a Stamps.com interview? I don't think you're really talking about tobacco, yes, sir. I, am. I do not believe you. Listen, we in no way endorse selling illegal tobacco and then shipping it using Stamps.com. That is not what Stamps.com is for, okay? Stamps, it's for flags. If you're selling American flags, if you've got maybe ammo that needs to be shipped legally state to state, Yes, go to stamps.com, but please, no illegal tobacco. And look at it. It looks like a pretty badass scale right there. <laughs> that was all, right, it was... all right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> just go there. The code is JRE. Use it, stamps.com. It's fucking awesome. Go check it out. That's stamps.com. At the top of the homepage, enter JRE. Enjoy, relax, repeat, rinse. Douglas Rushkoff is here, ladies and gentlemen. Cue the music. Do you know how to do it? It's kind of. It's got too much tobacco in it. <laughs> Joe Rogan Podcast, check it out! The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day! Too loud? Yeah, it's alright. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, we have a, an, an adjustment thing here. If it's too loud, we can actually lower yeah, your volume. Where are you at? Are you this one right here? Yeah. Is that better? Yeah. Is that better for you? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, cool. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to blow your ears off. Um, thanks for joining join us. Thanks for Appreciate having it. me. Douglas Rushkoff, if you uh, do not know of him, ha- is uh, would you call yourself a media analyst? What would you call well, media yourself? Media theorist. Media theorist. Author mainly. Author yeah. mainly, yeah. And uh, your new book is called Present Shock, When uh, Everything Happens All at Once. Is that what? Everything what, happens now. And then when everything yeah. happens now. Um, I, I saw uh, quite a few of your videos online. They're really, uh, really, really interesting conversations. And one of them that really struck me was um, you, well, there were several of them that struck me, but one of them was your story of being mugged, and you you told people on an online room like where you got mugged, and people were upset that you, in telling them that you got, in telling the world that you got mugged there, it was lowering their property values. Yeah, that was a <laughs> that was a bad one. Um, That's so crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was one thing to get mugged, which is kind of freaky in itself. Uh, you know, and whatever, you know, shame and weirdness goes with that. But um, I guess what I was trying to do, I mean, deep down was probably elicit, you know, love and affection from the people on my right. list. You know, so I put up, oh, you know, and there was a, a social, some social responsibility to it. So I put up where I got mugged because everyone should know this is maybe a dangerous stretch here. We got to maybe get a light. But um yeah, so I sent I sent it out, and then um, the first two emails I got back from this like loving list of parents was, 
how dare you say exactly where it happened? You know, we live right across the street. You know, you're going to lower our property values. I'm like, are you selling now? Is that, is that, no, we're not selling. But it was a really weird time when people needed their property values to go up because they were trying to get bigger mortgages and pay down and do all that. Um, and it was just like so panicky there about that, that some, you know, someone was afraid, oh, what if a newspaper covers it and it's bad? And what if I... It's so weird when ones and zeros trump humanity. You know, and in that case, that's yeah. exactly what that is. That's ones and zeros trump humanity. Well, and, yeah, and two kinds of ones and zeros. You know, the, the ones and zeros of money, yeah. you know, and the ones and zeros of sort of, of digital technology, which I think can create a kind of a distance mm-hmm. that because you wouldn't you're not get. feeling the impact of saying that to someone's face. Yeah. That you're, yeah, there's a weird communication that takes place online that's you know, it doesn't have any consequence, you know. You can you can do it anonymously and there's this it's like these barbs that you can just send out and it, illogically, like in 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 ways that you would never if you had to deal with someone one-on-one because you would feel it. You would look at right. them, you would feel their response, you would be like, "Why are you saying this?" Like like why why are you being such an asshole? But because you are anonymous, you right. just so people are just like in this unnatural communication thing. Right. But then the 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 part that then worries me after that is if you get used to doing like that in an anonymous way online, does that start to make the behavior a bit more normative when you're even with your identity? Yeah. Oh, I guarantee it has to. It has to. There's there's no free rides when it comes to that. I I really feel like your thoughts, your connection. Like there was always a thing. uh, I remember when I was in high school, someone in my school newspaper wrote like a funny critique about the Boy Scouts. And one of the things that he didn't like about the Boy Scouts was that they wanted you to keep your thoughts pure. And he was like, you know, well, my thoughts are my own thoughts. You know, I'm just as long as I don't do anything, I don't think there's anything wrong with my thoughts. Right. And that was really smartly argued. I remember reading that, going, "Wow, this kid's pretty clever." But then I thought about it. I'm like, but you, if you're cr- thinking about creepy shit, you probably are kind of creepy. You know, and it's it's not going to get any better. Just you know, you're just going to eventually one day you're going to snap, and then you're going to do, do something. The creepy thing. Yeah. yeah, if you really are like the, I don't know. I mean, everyone has their own definition of thoughts being pure. You know, like uh, a more lenient person might allow a lot of like healthy sexual things in the idea of thoughts being pure, as long as it's not creepy. But there's other people that would just sit around and say, "Well, let me just think about creepy shit all day and not do it, and I'm fine." But right. you're not. There's no free ride. There may be, though. You think so? There may be. Well, I mean, what you're describing, what you're describing is, you know, the benefits of an absolute police state as long as it was always right. Yeah, that's no problem. You know, though, right? that's the problem. I mean, then, then you can always get your mi- minority report, you know, just in yeah. case maybe they're wrong. I'm not really subscribing to that. I'm just saying that you really it'd can't. It'd be nice. You can't have really shitty thoughts and get through. And I think that if you're really shitty online, if you have those thoughts, even if it's only online, I really believe that oh, negative sh- energy is going to leak yeah, over. Genuinely shitty. I mean, it's just yeah. how do you decide what's, what's, what's shitty and what's not. But yeah. No, it's <laughs> people when they're – the meaner you are online – Without your face, the meaner you can be online with your face and the meaner you can get in real life, yeah. you know, until you just got mean people. Do you investigate people's Twitter? Like if someone says you something weird on Twitter, do you go to their Twitter page and see just all their cunty shit that they write to everybody and go, oh, they're just a crazy no, guy? Well, I will admit I 
focus way more on the cunty <laughs> tweets and emails and things than on the ones that are you positive, know, loving and, and positive. I'll get like 10 emails. Oh, your book was great. Oh, I loved it. You've changed my life. My children, you know, worship at your altir. He's like, delete, 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 delete. Yeah. What's wrong with you, Rushkoff? Well, who is this guy? <laughs> your book <Yeah>. sucked. <laughs> what? Why yeah, would he say that? This is the biggest piece of shit I've ever read. What? And you can, yeah, a well, thousand then, people loved it more than life itself. Right, but I'll spend the rest of my week trying to convince this one guy. Oh, no, you don't. Why I'm not a bad guy, why the book is actually okay. Oh, you got to learn the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, now it's too many. <laughs> That's a newbie. <laughs> well, it's, inev- it's hard. It's hard not to engage people because they're, they're, it's like a person saying it to you. It's, yeah. it's very similar. And to someone who's public, you know, you're out there. You have your, your name is out there. The videos are out there. Anyone can find out about you and see you. They can reach you, too. And reaching you on Twitter, you mm-hmm. know, they can send you some shitty thing just to get a, a, a rise from you. And then they're just making you dance. And you're right. dancing to someone else's spell. So you've got to learn how to just... Uh, look at yourself. Yeah, and go, you Does this do. Make sense? No, no, I do. But what it actually—oh, yeah—and <laughs> be able to leave it. But you got to be able to do that to the point where, where it's healthy and not beyond. Because yeah. at some point, if everybody's going, Rushkov, wake up! Your book needs to be this. When it's you know, you've got you can do this, but you can't do that. I. Well, in the end, the sale, the, the market would tell me, I guess. Yeah, the market no would buy. tell you, but yeah. you're, you're not a dumb guy. You would never do that. You would never make a book like that that was so off I and know. out of line. You would look that at yourself along the way. to be condemned. That's I true. can tell I'm talking to you for 10 minutes. You're not that kind of guy. <laughs> that, the kind of guy that would do that is like there's, there's certain people that are functional crazy. And they can like figure some things out and yeah. chase some things down, and then they'll get stuck in some sort of a weird rut, and you can't talk them out of it. And you know, you realize, oh, he was crazy all the time. <laughs> he just figured out how to get through life. You know, those are the ones that will go off on crazy tangents, and people go, "What are you doing?" Because the guy wasn't really nuts mm-hmm. in the first place. You're not nuts. You're all right, oh, okay. Man. You don't have to worry about that. You shit. just need get that. You need one a posse. You. you need to keep a posse of people <laughs> around you to keep telling you you're not insane. Then you can. You gotta. I, then we can. I think there's a good thing that comes yeah. from criticism, though, because uh, the, the, it's even really harsh criticism is because if they're ridiculous and if you look at what they're saying, if it's, if it's ridiculous and mean and that, it really it reveals far more about them than it really does about you. But look at what they're saying and is there any merit yeah. to it at all? Does it make any sense or is it just nonsense? Is it just a guy being an asshole or if you weren't you, could you find merit in it? Like I found criticism from the biggest assholes, but it was like – there was like a, a hair of accuracy into it that made me like reconsider certain things. Yeah. So. I mean and the most valuable thing about it for me, it, entertaining it to some extent, is just it makes me, it makes me more flexible you know, as, a, as a thinker. You know, if you can wrap your head around, you know, oh, where am I wrong? Right. I mean, it can make you a little indecisive because it's like, well, he's right and he's also right in this one. Right. Well, you know, but sometimes things are complicated. It is, I know, but that's the whole. That's you know, for me, the object of the game. That's why I keep writing. I'm writing about the now. You know, mm-hmm. present, being present. If you're actually present, you have to be present with yourself, and you have to be present who you're with. Right. You know, and that's the thing that everybody looks to be avoiding, one way or another. You know, whether whether they're doing it, oh, because I got to earn money, or they're doing it because they got to check a device. I mean, there's the constant. SMSing, right. and it's just I see so few people. I walk into rooms now, and I feel like, you know, I don't feel like I'm in a room with these people. There's no sort of social cohesion. They're, mm-hmm. they're not really present. They're each in their own little segment. You know, interconnected with the internet and, and friends. Yeah, and then not connected with with each other. You know, I I am. 
you know, I'm a net fan. I've been since late 80s. I've been, you know, pro, you know, boing-boinger, cyberpunk type person. But, you know, I keep feeling like rather than using these things to to reach out to other people and connect. You know, we're using these things for business. They've gotten super aggressive. The behavior's gotten way worse. And I don't even think it's our fault. I honestly think it's in the, in these cases, it's because we're living on this, this uh, uh, an operating system, uh, an economic operating system that just needs to feed off the net when it should be our space, not the economy's space. Yeah, it's. I, I feel like we're in a, a stage of progression for uh, this interconnectivity progression, where we're starting off with, you know, we were starting off with just regular telephones, and that has moved to cellular phones, which everybody carries, which is going to move into some Google Glasses type thing, which is going to eventually. I mean, f- down the line, if you extrapolate a hundred years or whatever it's going to take, there's going to be some really crazy interconnectivity that people share. And I think this stage that we're going through right now, the anonymous stage of being able to like make a Twitter account on some fake name and just start saying mean things to random people, like that ability is going to go away. You're not going to have this anonymous portal. Like I, I just think if you look at the way things, I feel like the way I look at the future is like the thing that's going to be really scarce is secrets. I think we're going to be able to connect with each other in some way that we probably can't even imagine right now, whether it's some neuro chip or something that you embed into your body, whether it's nanotechnology, whatever it is, there's going to come a day where we're like completely interconnected with each other. But the, 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 beauty of that, though, is if it really worked, it would bring us back to the now right. that we've been avoiding all this time, yeah, to would... the face-to-face live interaction where you can't fuck with each other because you're here. You know, there's this guy. Strange way to look at met it. This, yeah. I met this guy, this show guy, um, you know, a stage magician guy who could tell when people are lying. I don't know if you've ever seen this guy. He's like worked uh. for the FBI and stuff. And he can like – he does all these tricks. He lines up 10 people and he says, OK, one of you think – and he, he can really tell period when people yeah. are lying and i was thinking if he can tell that people are lying because he's got this talent it means that on some level we all know we all have that ability yeah. right so we all on some level know when the other one's lying to us so it's it's kind of been if you're actually in the moment it's all exposed anyway yeah i think there's a weird feeling that you get when someone's being deceptive there's a weird feeling you get where you're like you, there's a you right. sense of disturbance when you're communicating with them you this but you can't put it in a tangible there's nothing you could say, oh, it was X amount of weight. So here, right. I know this is a real thing. You know, here, I put it on a scale. It's, but there's some weird thing that happens when, you, when you're with someone. Like, you can tell if someone's upset at you and not saying it. They can mm-hmm. be saying all the right words, but, you know, like, there's a certain – there's a, a coldness or a lack of warmth or there's a it's little something. I, uh, I wrote about those women in uh, – uh, what's it called? The uh, Housewives of Orange County. They really, I got obsessed with them because they were just having all of these awful disagreements all the time. And yeah, I'm a communications guy. I'm trying to figure out what, why is their communication breaking down? And right, so this is what I do. So I know. I, so I, I concluded in the end that it's because they've put so much Botox in their faces that they can't actually execute facial expressions in an honest way anymore, in a way that the other person organically can react to. Oh, my God. So these women, in trying to kind of freeze time at age 29, ended up making themselves inaccessible to the now that they're in. 
Wow. Because, you know, you see one will say, oh, you know, my you know, my daughter, I think she might have cancer. And the other one's like, oh, I'm so sorry. But she's frozen in a smile, right? So then oh they go to the first God. one and she says, I can't believe I told her my daughter, you know, has cancer. And the other one, she says she's sorry, but I can tell she's not. <sighs> you know, and that's sort of, I mean, that's, it's just a metaphor. But, uh, but it's true. They're but like it's true. stuffing cotton in their mouth and they can't, you can't understand what they're saying. Right. Like they're, they're ruining the facial communication, the expressions. Of facial communication. Right. And yeah, then the question is... We live in the, where they're shooting poison in their face to freeze right. it. Right. But they're, to freeze it in time is the Ugh. thing. They're trying to stop yeah. time. And that's like a... It's, I understand the urge to stop time, but when you stop time, you lose the moment. That's kind yeah. of the whole point I'm making. It's like in the, the net. It can stop time in a certain way, but you're going to lose certain moments then. You know? So it, I'm, I'm all for being on the net and having a net moment. But, you know, even here, you know, I've heard you do those ads before for mm-hmm. those sponsors. And you could just cut and paste, you know, you could cycle seven of them and maybe people wouldn't even know it's the same ones. You know, you could cut and paste from another show and throw it in. But you decide, no, I'm actually going to sit here and read these three ads with my friends. Well, if I didn't do present. it like that, I'd be really bored. You know, I, 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 well, I would yeah. never want to just read an ad. So I, I we always so do you can it that copy way. it. Well, you We've make always... more money. You make more. You know, that's the indu- the model of the industrial age. Of well, course, is to make print out more. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. the only way we would, the only way we could even do any of this stuff the way we're doing it is because we don't have anybody that we have to approve right. with. You know, no one. I don't have to go to NBC and say, "Hey, this is what we're thinking of doing." I know you have these commercials, but we're just going to talk yeah. shit, and occasionally we'll get to the point of the commercial. But, but you know, ironically, on the long run, it ends up. Making more money. Yeah. I mean, certainly more money for the people who are actually doing it. You know, maybe by the other system, you can make more total money, but it's going to go to, you know, God knows what, to some institution anyway. Yep. So, so the fact that it is that it is live, and it is a what an MP3 mainly. It is mainly a podcast. You know, you think on the first hand because I'm looking to do make a kind of radio choice myself, and it's like, well, I can do this for the man and make this amount of money kind of guaranteed. But I'm going to have to stay between these white lines, and right. or I can go this other route and actually do the thing I do, you know. Yeah, there's not even up, a choice there. Yeah, not in this day and age. It's not necessarily. It's there used to be a time where you you would have to choose. You would well, this internet thing. Who knows yeah. if it's going to work out? But <laughs> that's crazy. Like you, you have an option to immediately jump in and get a gigantic group of people that are going to start retweeting and tweeting and listening to your stuff, and you'll you'll develop yeah. a giant following in no time. And as that's happening, all you're doing is you're you know selling ads for companies that you actually believe in. You right. Could, you could. That's the only way you should do it. Fuck working for some company that tells you not to swear or not to do this or not to discuss that or, you know, that's not the stance we're taking on this particular yeah. complicated issue. You know, fuck that. It's just that's the enemy of real thought. The enemy of real thought is committee. You know, I don't know what you're really thinking if you, everything you say has to go through a committee before it comes out of your mouth. I want to know what the fuck you're thinking, and, and especially in, in like the sense of a radio show. You know, a guy on the radio, that's like the whole thing. It used to be, like, even DJs. It used to be, this DJ likes this music, so or this came is from why your it's t- awesome. Or it was broadcasting from the same city that you were in. Yeah. You remember when uh, the, then Clear Channel took over, and it was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, so we're getting a recording that's done by computer 3,000 miles away. <laughs> this is my local rock and roll station. It's like, what <sighs> well, happened there? have those Jack FMs, which is essentially like playing shuffle when you're yeah. on your iPod. There's, you know, it could be anything of a number of... Uh, 
about things that they approve, and they pretend we're wacky. We just don't have any rules. Like, oh, we're Jack FM, and it's like a standard <laughs> model. There's like a hundred jacks across the country, and probably even more than that. It's weird. I think radio is completely on its way out. I think they're fucked. I think that's like a, it's a silly way yeah. to do it, and no one's gonna stick with it after a while. Like, why you're gonna have internet access in your car within no time? That's a, that's easy. They could do that right now. I already get that with podcasts on the iPhone because I have my iPhone Bluetooth to my car, so I'll just immediately say, "Oh, I'd like to listen to a Duncan Trussell podcast." And in a, I've done it at a red light, yeah. where it's so easy. At a red light, it's one, two, Duncan Trussell. Boom, there he is. So the one aspect of radio that I feel like I would miss is that local terrestrial quality yeah. of it. Because, I mean, yeah, we could still have – you, you know, you could have a, a L.A. channel and I could have a, you know, this part of New York channel. And, you know, we could do that technically with, with digital, you know, where you'd pick your, your so-called regional thing. It will be local stuff. But the medium's not biased towards that. The medium is – it's all – Equivalent, you know, and I wonder, would we drift further away from from local and kind of the things that matter to us in the here and now, or, um, you know, or would we choose that stuff? I think you know, instead of like a local radio station, you're going to have a million people in L.A. making their own music, making their own, putting their own shit out there that you can choose from. You know, whether it's a music list, like a Pandora list or something like that someone puts together, or whether it's podcasting. I just think the idea of a local representative was always gross. You know, it was always gross. Wolfman Jack was always gross. Because for every Wolfman Jack, there was a million other dudes that probably had interesting ideas as well, and they had no outlet. So you have one guy has this outlet from this particular time. That's crazy. <laughs> that that idea sucks. The, the idea that we're dealing with now is way better. It's like a, a billion outlets, six billion outlets. And, and there's no local anymore. There's people that are in that town that will tell you about things but everyone's more connected right. than ever before right and because they are i mean the economy as we know it also has to go away too right you know there's once you have six billion people doing podcasts i mean and you got two billion left doing farming it's like where did all the businesses go and you, you also know? lose those iconic figures like the wolfman jack or like howard stern or you like lose the, you know. the mate well i mean i think you could still choose you would just have major Every once in a while, something major would happen. Right, but you it wasn't, the, wouldn't, be, wouldn't be that one guy who's your town's guy. You know, right. like when I, I grew up in Boston, it was Charles Lacquadera. Charles Lacquadera and the, the Big Mattress was like this, he would call this like morning show, it was called The Big Mattress. He was a great guy, Lacquadera. Really nice guy. I met him too eventually. But he, um, he, his, he was like the number one radio DJ in Boston. Everybody knew it. You would go to – when I was doing construction, I'd go to job sites. People would turn on, turn on the big mattress, listen to Lockwood Era. And it, like, it was – that was a show. It was like that was the show. And the only way to get a show like that is to not have a lot of options, you know, to, to have a show that everybody agrees we're all going to listen to. You know, it's going to be only like three options. You know, disco? No, we're not listening to disco. You know, we, you know there wasn't like – the internet quality options that 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 changes the whole game. Like, there's never going to be a CBS radio on the internet. No, know? it does. It, it does. It will, and it's going to replace everything terrestrial. Yeah. I mean, on that everything. sense. So, if you're saying if we're saying everything's going to be replaced, everything terrestrial is going to be replaced. First, it's radio, then it's mm. other stuff. 
All we have to make sure then is before we lose all those things, which we're going to inevitably lose, to say to ourselves, what is, what is it we value about those things that we want to bring into these digital things mm-hmm. before we're untethered in there, you know, before it's all the way. Yeah, what we want is our cake and we want to eat it too. We want the digital era and we still want mom and pop stores. You know, like right. we're trying to like keep it exactly. all together. And that's the question is, can you get both? You know, so can you have this you know, very traditional narrative, 20th century industrial age culture live right aside, you know, this sort of steady state economy and peer to peer currencies and local CSAs? You know, can we have an iPhone and organic chard and no, <laughs> and no slavery in Africa to get either? Yeah. Is that possible? Yeah. I'm it, hoping so. I I'm, mean, we I, move towards it or not, you know? It seems like that's what a great percentage of the world would like. But it's we've made shocking little progress in moving towards that potential utopia. Right. You, but then – but, you know, if, as long as we got a hope or, you know, or try right. to envision, oh, yeah, no. I would say, okay, but – but this shift that we're undergoing now from an analog era to a digital one is a bigger shift than just than just that. Yeah. There's a whole different digital media environment that we've gone into. So we've gone into this from this this time is money, expansionist economy, live by the clock universe to one that's potentially asynchronous. It's just off that off that thing. I remember when the net first came up, it was like it was, you know, people in Austin and slackers and cyberpunks. The idea was that the net was going to give us more slack. Right. You know, and it's ended up for most people kind of doing the opposite because they're always on and working and being monitored and all that and distracted. But I mean, I think if we if we uh, take command of the way we're programming these things, then we can use them to sort of to create you know, the gorgeous culture of Slack to create, you know, what a few of us are, are kind of discovering we can do, like you're doing with this, right? You're just doing your thing. Yeah, I think we're trying to resist the inevitable. And that inevitable is a symbiotic computer relationship. There's going to be some sort of biomechanical connection. Says that, one man talking through, uh, through a microphone yeah. to another man with headphones. <laughs> to a million people listening right. in their car or wherever the fuck they are. Asynchronously, yeah, right. It's, I, I really don't feel like we can stop that. It seems like the things that we got so excited by as, as these higher functioning primates are these new things that we've created that input us or give us input in a way that our body's completely not designed to, to get. Like through your earphones, yeah. like like listening to a podcast, like the, the, a computer itself, the the ability to watch a video, the ability to go to the movies. It's all yeah. this is the stimuli that's coming at us is just we're not designed for it. Right. It's, but it's it's reconfiguring itself to be as seductive as possible. Yeah. Well right it, because it's not it's that's what it's for, right? Well, it's to seduce us into itself so that the companies behind it can make money. And because it we move constantly in to uh, in a path of of progression and if you look at the technology it's always going to move into a stronger great we were never satisfied with any particular result at any particular we time want more choices yeah we want more choices we want it to be powerful more fast we want it we want better graphics we want bigger booms that's not right. realistic enough let's take it to the next level it's it's in this desire to get these experiences we're pushing the technology like ultimately that's yeah. what's getting but pushed. then what's interesting to me about that is 
while all that's pushing ahead, what we get in a digital media environment is we end up retrieving like weird medieval values. Yeah. You know, you get Burning Man and Etsy and people <laughs> doing peer-to-peer stuff, right. trying to have their local currencies, which they haven't had since medieval times. You know, you see the the stuff that gets retrieved and paganism and, and uh, uh, you know, mashing up uh, roots to heal yourself of things, maker culture, all these things are what we've lost over the last thousand years. That's what the Renaissance and the Industrial Age was about, you know, stamping that out and putting everybody on the on the assembly line at Ford. So it's fun that as we move forward, we get these great old recurrences, which to me is reassuring. It means that we are bringing something with us into into this next place. I think it's also that the current system is so flawed that people are willing to try anything and that they're actually actively <laughs> thinking about what can we do differently? Can we make a local, local currency? Like Right. Yeah, no, which is interesting. It's like the Two places I've gotten emails from in the last many years of, of people doing social currencies are either from a place like Ithaca, New York, where they're doing it because they're just, you know, strange and trying to try something weird and good, or like Lansing, Michigan, where there's no GM plan, there's no bank that's going to give money to a factory to open up to hire people, and they're desperate. They're like, well, I've got skills, I know how to fix a refrigerator, and they have needs, so can't we just make an economy that way? You know, those are the places where people are actually asking the, 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 where they're ready. I just don't like that readiness seems to involve being just so – not just fed up but uncomfortable, you know, that you've got to do something. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're clearly going through a change. We're, we're clearly going through a change as a culture that we weren't prepared for and we're sort of making our way as we go along. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a, a, a lot of mistakes along the way, and the evidence that points to it. One of the best pieces is your story about people getting upset at you because you got mugged and called in the story, you know, and said the location. Yeah. That's one of the best examples of people like losing the script, like like along the way in this crazy thing hmm. that we're doing where we develop currency and and then there's things called property values and there's mortgages and equity and all this crazy shit along the way. You know, mm. we're going to have to figure out how to how to stay human. And when you see like instant failure, like, oh my god, I got mugged. You fucking asshole! Yeah. What do you? Why'd you say the place? Uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting. I mean, it's in every single one of my books. I've written like twelve now. You know, they're they're all finally about how do we bring humanity into this thing <clears throat> that seems to have lost it. Right. You know, so I did it for you know for for business. I did it for for the economy with Life Inc. is the book you're talking about. I did it for Judaism with something called Nothing Sacred, saying Judaism should be this ongoing conversation. Keep it alive. Keep it human. Don't let it lock down. And now this one, it's weird because it's like I'm kind of admitting that it's what I, I guess I've realized it myself. But I'm kind of saying, oh, my gosh, I'm a humanist. You know, I'm a humanist and a technology enthusiast. And how do you be both? Because so many of the other folks who are sort of pro-technology, sort of my posse, mm -hmm. they're all sort of talking about not human beings being enabled by technology, but technology surpassing us. You know, some singularity or, mm -hmm. you know, some some moment in the future where computers get smarter than us and then we're not really needed anymore. It know? might not be that simple. I'm, uh, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And one of the things I think is why do we have this idea of competition and why would the computer enjoy that idea with us? 
Our idea is based entirely on our biological makeup, our need to reproduce, our need to prove ourselves to our mate, our need to protect against strangers, all these instincts that a computer's not going to have at all. Mm -hmm. So the idea of competition with humans for resources or the, even the idea that survival is imperative and that you, know, you, you, you have an ego and you can't die, they're not going to have any of that. So why would they be in competition with us? Why wouldn't oh, it just be it wouldn't like be a because, new – It wouldn't be because of them. It would be because of the way somebody we program them. Reprogram yeah. them. You know, if they become we sentient though, that, that's really – Then they wouldn't do the bad thing because uh, why not keep us around? But it doesn't matter. I don't even it's – not, it's not a matter of them being able to do that because I don't even think they will. I don't think they can. It's more a matter of people in the here and now saying that human beings – are really only important insofar as we can be the shepherds and organizers of information, right? Mm. Information is the thing that's evolving towards greater states of complexity. And once human beings are no longer the best at making complex information, but computers are the best at it, then there's just no need for humans anymore. Would the computers kill us or not? I don't know. Would they give us a good time? Who knows? But but the just the whole idea that we should be developing technology with this in mind um, – I don't know. It, it negates what I think is an essential, for us anyway, centrality of humanity in the equation. Well, I think people don't recognize how much we need each other. We don't recognize how important positive interaction is with other people to your health and the way you feel about mm -hmm. life. There's clearly a relationship that people have to each other that we're in denial about. Right. We lock ourselves up in our apartments or in our homes and we shut our car doors and we roll down the window. And that's one of the reasons why people are willing to give people the finger when they're in the car. You would never do that in <laughs> real life. Glass. You yeah. feel like you're in some sort of a contained world. And even though you're not even anonymous, you're still like, fuck you. You know, how many people do you give the finger yeah. in real life? Like nobody. But once a year, I'll give somebody the finger. Somebody does something crazy and they beep at me. Fuck you. Fuck you. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to do. But, you know, that eventually I think we have to accept the fact that we, we, we are only happy when the people around us are happy, when we're in harmony with the people around us. We're not happy when we're in conflict. We're not happy right. when... When we're not happy when we fuck people over. Like I know people that have done bad things in business and bad things ethically and bad, you know, mm -hmm. and they're not happy people. No, but then in the current culture, they can compensate for that with medicine. Yes. Right? Oh, there you go. <laughs> and that, gets them, that gets them through the night. You <sighs> know, what you have to hope, I mean, I always do, which is a, it's a vain hope. I hope that the people who do bad stuff but then make up for it with drugs still feel worse than I do, <laughs> you know, not, not taking those drugs and, and trying to do good stuff. You, know, you don't want to believe that – you know these kind of guys. Like I used to see um, – I won't even say his name. One of those millionaires down at Knicks games and I'd always think, I sure hope he's not happy. You know? <laughs> That's funny. Which isn't very fair but uh, – Well, all he's doing is playing some really crazy game that was around before he was ever born. He just got into it and got really good at it. The, yeah. the game itself is bananas. Just the stock market itself. Just the idea that the wealth – of 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 a person can vary day by day because of confidence 
You know, right. confidence, computer, uh, consumer confidence in a product can like shift and change with recall. And then you watching these numbers go up and down. Like, what the fuck are you well, even talking mo- about? Most of the explanations you see, you know, I watch these business sites and the market will go down and they say, oh, market down because of such and such yeah. in London. And then it's like by the time that piece comes out, that market's actually back up and they're already constructing their, you know, let's tie market going back up to another random feature. You know, it's like the the – the explanations after the fact have so little to do, you know, with whatever some algorithm decided it was going to suddenly ultra fast trade something and and throw the stock up. You know, it's like at this point, it's it truly is. That's the best place to see humans combating machines yeah. is on the market where it's like there's human traders competing with these uh, programmed algorithms, and the algorithms are certainly winning the war. And if you look at their screens while they're while they're doing it, it is almost like code. Like yeah. uh, the average person who doesn't understand it doesn't know what the fuck the stock market's saying the symbols and the sao and this and that and the ones and the zeros mm-hmm. you look at all that you have no idea what that is i mean how is that really different than a computer code that you're reading i mean that's essentially like a, a way that uh, people are are are, are yeah. tapping into well, this bizarre it is now. system i mean it was at one time the sort of the price of something had to do with something right it's like there's a factory oh it's the factory went slower today in the rain the market will go down on that side it was like right. real you know and I feel like it's gotten certainly further and further from whatever is going on in that company or the earnings or the things. You know, it's it's absolutely abstracted to the point now where people don't even invest in companies. Right. right? You invest in something like when Facebook went public, people bought it at like 9 in the morning and like nine ten, they're all pissed off that it hasn't gone up. It's like, wait a minute. I was supposed to – you know, I thought triple this, my wealth. Triple my wealth. It's like no, you don't. You don't make money on the trade. You're supposed to make money on when you've when you've done it. But you know, now we've got uh, you know derivatives and derivatives of derivatives, and derivatives of derivatives of derivatives on there, which is just a way of kind of shrinking the, the explain time that span. for people who don't know what that so, means. So if you buy a stock, I mean, you know, you buy a stock and you right. hope it goes up, and then you sell it in the future. If you'd rather make up that time right now, I can sell it in the future right now. Right, I can basically sell that future sale because I think that sale is going to be a good one. Now, right? I can say, what if I did that trade? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have it now. But so, <laughs> what am I trading then? I'm trading, I'm trading on on an abstraction from what something's going to be worth at some moment in the future. So it's like I'm trading on the stock over time. And then someone else can say, well, I'm going to trade on the abstraction of that. I'm going to trade on whether or not people think the stock in the future is going to be worth more next minute than this minute. It's like, well, what's that? So basically what you're doing is you're buying the stock over time, over time, over time, over time. You're creating these things, these derivatives of whatever the original investment was, which is kind of just a derivative of the thing. Right? There's the pork belly, there's the derivative of the pork belly, derivatives of the derivatives, derivatives of the derivatives of the derivatives of the derivatives. All, all ever tighter ways of saying what is pork belly going to be worth you know, on February 3rd. Why is that legal? Well, it's legal because, what it, because the economy requires it. Right? We have a kind of money right, that has a clock in it. It's lent into existence and has to be paid back more than got lent out. So our economy needs to expand by hook or by crook, somehow. It has to grow in order for it to survive. That's just the way central currency works. They need to find more surface area for the money, more ways for people to buy stuff. So instead of just having – there's not enough of a company to buy, so now we can bet on how that company is going to do in some future. Now we can bet on that or we can bet on that. 
right? But what we're really doing is trying to kind of compress all of this time right onto like the head of a pin so we can bet on that. So I don't have to sit and wait, you know, 3,000 years for Facebook to be worth something. <laughs> I can trade on its future worth now. But the whole joke of that is people who are trading that way, they're these computers that are trading faster than them. So I put in oh. one of my super fast, crazy, you know, um, derivative trade, Goldman Sachs, sees that order coming in on the computer. They're so close to the exchange, they can execute an order before my order even goes through based on having seen that I was going to do what I'm going to do. So they can literally trade in my future. Right? Wow. I am in their past. No, that's that's digital time shifting. That's, I mean, that's that sounds like it's cheating. That's like someone like <laughs> running a Quake server and they're local and then you have like 150 ping. Exactly. That's bullshit. I think so. With the total bullshit, but the irony of it is, it's gotten so big. Right, derivative trading is bigger than regular trading now. So that the New York Stock Exchange actually just got bought. The exchange itself got bought by its derivative exchange. So it's almost just like the proof's in the pudding. (laughs) It's like the derivative owns the market at this point. But that's that's when you get one step removed. How that? How how could the government even ever deny how incompetent they are when they allowed that? (laughs) Like that alone, to like someone should just like have a, a, a broadcast on national television, a you know one of those town hall sort of events where you sit down with the the main people that run the country and go, how the fuck are you allowing this? How how if you not fix this? Well, Why would you ever try to do anything else before you fix this? Because when they made the decision, they genuinely thought it would be good for business. <laughs> But it doesn't, it's At so, least in the short term. I, I will never understand where it all people, goes. The business people promised them they'd figure it oh out before gosh. it got really bad. Oh, my God. We'll figure it out before yeah. it got really bad. How much bigger is the derivative economy? I don't know exactly. I mean, it seemed – I was looking – trying to find out what the, what the sort of trading was. It seemed, from what I could tell, like that 94% of trades are now derivative because they're in <laughs> – the because they're. that? Because there's such bigger volumes that oh you trade. Oh, my God. That's insane. No one's going to – like you're not going to buy you know, 10,000 shares of Honeywell today because that's, you know, you know whatever, $60,000 or something. But you could buy like 10,000 futures on Honeywell because they're, they're oh really cheap. Oh, my God. That is so crazy. So we've got leverage. 94%? Of the st- of trades are we can are look futures. at and and the I'm and, scared. and how many more is I think it's ultra fast too is a whole other there's sort of two different two different realms but yeah it's huge they must all be crazy everyone involved in that must know that they're bringing on the matrix they must know that they they're they're the first steps before the digital machine takes over. They must know. They must know that there's no humanity in that stock market shit. That's chaos. Well, the thing is, and and again, I don't want digital technology to get blamed for this, right? Because the real operating system they're promoting is not the digital operating system. It's the economic operating system underneath it. It's this 13th century central currency, interest-bearing, yeah. debt-based economy. And none of the guys who I thought would get us out, you know, Ev Williams with Twitter, Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook, the kids from Google, right? They're gonna, they, each of them had a real shot, even Bill Gates, at breaking the central economy and and flipping things the other way. How do you not think going, they could do that? Not going public. Not be not doing it with venture capital. Saying, if I can, if if Google can hack web search, if Facebook can hack social, if Twitter can hack everybody, 
why can't they, you know, if they're so busy disintermediating all these different things, why doesn't any one of them yet want to disintermediate central banking and say, no, Mr. Chase, we don't actually need you. We're going to do our whole thing through Kickstarter, say. Like one of your, didn't one of your things? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point of view. I think they probably would never want to take that stand because they would be killed. <laughs> I would imagine there's a lot of money in uh, in in them not being successful with that quest, you know, to right, that ensure a, that they're But that's the question. Is there a point at which, you know, you're doing PayPal. Okay, right. we're going to let people do individual transactions. That was their, their original model. And they were going to make money on the float. And uh, then the banks came to them and said, oh, you're not allowed to do that. You're not a bank, PayPal kids. You got to be, you know, connected registered a as a bank. bank, or you're going to have to be connected to one of us. And that's when, you know, PayPal kind of becomes part of eBay rather than whatever these crazy guys might have done. And I, I suppose there's this point, you know, where you know, innocently, these companies they get bigger and bigger, and bigger, hoping to do the right things, and then it's like, we're going <laughs> to, we're not going to let you do this if you don't, if you don't play by our rules. But. Uh, I also feel like there's companies that if, you, if you're willing to go smaller, if you're willing to let it grow a little bit slower, that you can scale up. You can become – A big ethical corporation. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I always wondered why a big corporation couldn't be ethical. Why, why can't you have a big corporation with a, a good ideology behind it? You that... know, but I think it's really because of shareholders, right? Yes. Because And shareholders are impatient. Shareholders are there. They're not really there, right? They're distant. Their shareholders are, are people who just want to see a number go up by the next quarter. And if you have to make a number go up by the next quarter, then you're going to have to be thinking about something other than doing good in the world. Yeah. You, if it is ones and zeros at all costs. Yeah. Yeah, if that's the game you're playing. And but that, if you've got shareholders, then you're going to throw you in jail if you don't do that. I mean, that's your fiduciary responsibility. And it's to, a fascinating thing that a corporation can do something that an individual would be a total piece of shit to do. If it was one person that was involved and this one guy, what he did was he, you know, he gave the loans to the third world company, the countries that they couldn't pay back. He went over there, monopolized their natural resources himself, dug the oil line himself, polluted the river himself. <laughs> You know, raped yeah. and killed the villagers himself. He'd be like, Jesus Christ, lock that fucking guy in jail. He's m making people work for $5 a week. You know, that guy, there he yeah. is. There he is. Hold him down. You yeah. know, but because it's a corporation, you're like, yeah. well, they're making money for their. Exactly. And how many people who on the one hand, you know, will read, you know, Good Magazine or something or listen to us and, and NPR and, and be all sad about that stuff still has a 401k plan with stocks in the very companies that are doing those things. <laughs> So who are yeah. they? They're the ones who actually own the company. They're the shareholder who wants the thing to go up so they can send their kid to college. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting how circular it gets. So, I mean, for, for how unvirtuous that circle is, though, I think unwinding it is just, is just as easy. So it's like, okay, instead of doing these sort of long-distance, long-term, disconnected investments in mining companies, I'm going to invest my money in where I see it. And people I actually know in the place where I am who are trying to do something, you know, and Bring it, bring it. If not, uh, if not local, at least, um, at least into your present, at least into your into your visible reality. Yeah, and it really is the the, the pursuit of the end goal of simply only ones and zeros done through a, a corporate way is really anti-human. 
I mean, that's the, that's the real anti-human aspect of it, is that it will engage human suffering as long as it's willing to extract ones and zeros from that. Like, it right. calculates how much human suffering are we willing to cause, how much devastation to the environment are we willing to cause, right. how much, you know. Which is why how- then the question becomes, I mean, in the nightmare scenario then, is you invest that into technology so that your robots no they're not in competition with us but they are playing the corporate program they have no right. desire other than to extract <laughs> extract yeah. value and meaning from us and those computers running algorithms recognize trends in the marketplace before a human could ever see it coming and then right. counter countered and meanwhile as we're making ourselves dumber about technology right we're in this code academy t-shirt right want people to learn to code as we become more stupid about our computers, our computers are getting smarter about us, right? Yeah. They're doing big data repositories of every every keystroke, right? Every you know are there. They know you know they know stuff about us. They knew some teenage girl was pregnant before family did, and you know they know when kids are going to be gay before they know themselves. You know it's like they, they're 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 Scott really smart. Not and for how about the 100%, weirdness but, that comes when you go to a Google uh, when you Google something or you look for thing, certain things online, and then say you go to a YouTube and there's ads for oh. things that you've recently looked at that is scary tantalizing ads oh i see you're into jeeps why <laughs> we have a jeep for sale and it's a new jeep and here's a video you can click on and they're a b testing that you know yeah. and they're saying which is which did he react to last time yeah. girl and jeep or not girl and jeep girl yeah. and jeep okay they give him that next time give him tits this guy <laughs> needs to see tits like they'll show you everything that you're into you're like you son of a bitch how do you know about all mm-hmm. this it's weird. And it's just the beginning. We're accepting it. Slowly accepting the needle into our vein that pumps in nanocells that eventually replace human tissue. There's going to be a commercial. There's going to be an artificial guy. He's going to be saying, why would you want to be natural? You're going to rot. It's not fun. Life gets even right. better. As well, you and then you'll, a, buy your, thousand you'll, and... you'll buy your little <laughs> nanobots, too, from like the most reputable company, you know, the one that you really like and the great user agreement. And then, But then after it's in you, it's like they get bought by Google and all of a sudden your user agreement shifted. It's yeah. like, you know, agree to, the, you know, um, um, do you want to have, you know... Uh, do you want to remember your your children's names? You know, okay, then sign this user this new user agreement. Right. right? <laughs> like... Otherwise, you get no no data. You have enough for two people, two phone numbers. <laughs> your emergency, your nine one one emergency call. Yeah, just like call. your phone, like your phone. They won't, if, if it's not registered, it only lets you call nine one one. That'll be the same thing. Well, you should have paid your bill, Mister Rushkoff. I don't there know you why go. you didn't want to pay your bill. Now here you are with no recourse. Yeah. You're going to look at a shiny guy from the future. He's a thousand years old and he looks great. But again, he's going to be all artificial. Yeah, but again, it's not it's not with all that artificialness, it's not necessarily although it maybe is. It's not necessarily the technology that's the problem in this equation. You're it's the company that owns yeah. the technology. Right, but ultimately what's getting done? The technology is getting pushed. That seems to be right. the case in every single situation. And ultimately at the top of the execution food chain, when you look at like what is being done at the end level that's really the game changer. The technology constantly increases. And with every, you know, overtake, with every, you know, new gigantic invention and, and bundles of money that go along with it and all the people that got fucked over, at the end of the day, the technology keeps moving forward and it keeps getting right. stronger and stronger and stronger it and does but it's not just stronger though it's it's 
it's fundamentally different. I mean, that's the thing that McLuhan was trying to bring up. You know, Marshall McLuhan, the media theorist, he was looking at that the different environments that different media, different kinds of technology create. So, you know, fire had a change that had a media environment, had a technological environment with fire. Now, you know, uh, people could then go live further north in colder places and little apes, you know, who were smart enough to have fire could get away from big dumb apes who, you know, couldn't travel north to chase them. You know, we got different races, all sorts of things happened because of something like fire or the invention of text, right? The invention of text changed. Well, for me, it changed the way we look at time, right? Because now, I can write something now that I'm going to be accountable for later so we can have contracts. With text, we got history. We got the Judeo-Christian line of thought. We got law and ethics. You know, we got uh, – we got the calendar. You know, then, you know, that all went along and we developed. Then we get the printing press and we get the clock. Right now, the clock all of a sudden, we go, oh, wow, now we can actually break down the day into these little pieces. We put one up at the town square and that's when time became money. That's when it's like, okay, now you can work for an hour for me. Instead of making a thing that you're connected to and selling it to me, now you can work for the hour or two hours or three hours. We've got a standard. And now we get the digital media environment, you know, which is just as different as the industrial age media environment that in the clock was from the printing press, from the from written text, from from uh, from even fire. You know, and in the digital media environment, there's this uh, – it's not just more tech. It's it's more – uh, it's more of a sense of of moving through time in a choice to choice to choice to choice way, you know, where we just have more choices than we know what to do. If we spend more time processing choice itself than we do getting the things that we've chosen, you know, it's like the the call waiting is almost like the typical kind of digital choice. It just enters. All right, I'm talking to this loved one. I've got a call waiting. What do I do? You know, just to be put in that, just to be put yourself in that in that interruptive state is very digital because you you want to have the choice because that person wants to reach you, but how you know how that interrupts what uh, what used to be a more continuous way of of just of moving through life. Yeah, it uh, it certainly gives us more options than we're naturally designed to handle, and uh, the more people have. On their Facebook page, the more likely they really they have like zero connection to those people. The the idea, right. I mean, like like we're we're designed for Dunbar's number, right? One hundred and fifty people. Yeah. yeah, and you get you get five thousand people on your Facebook page. Well, who the and fuck? What does that mean? Who are, who are these you talking people? To? Yeah. Right. Well, What's then you're mar- then there? you're marketing. You know, <laughs> well, in, what you know. what kind of interaction are you really having? Yeah. You know? Well, it's not the same. It's not a human to human interaction. The other weird thing about Facebook for me again is how it compresses time. So it's like there are these people from like second and third grade. I'm finally. You know, forty five whatever you years away from that, <laughs> and then it's like you know, so two weeks ago, hi, I'm Marcy from second grade. It's like, oh my god, I'd finally, I'd left that behind me. It's not Marcy. I don't know who she is. It's who right. I was or who she relates to. It's just it was in the past for a reason, right? You know, and now it's here. But then on the front end, I've got the computer on the other side calculating everything about my keystrokes. So. They know my future, right? They know right. they know who's going to be pregnant, who's going to be gay, who's going to be this, who's going to be that. So it's like, okay, so it's like my past is all in here and now my future's all in here and everything's just sort of crushed in on me there. I don't feel um I don't feel autonomous anymore. I don't feel like I have agency. I don't feel um in charge. I can't get away from anything and I can't actually be moving towards anything with a sense of free will. But can't you though? I mean, you're you're sort of in control and of how much you interact with it, how much you choose right. to use you it. Right, you did. That's why I I dropped Facebook. You dropped it. Yeah, I was just like, Bleh. too much. 
Yeah. But you still use Twitter. Yeah. Well, what's Twitter the, stays there. Why is Facebook <laughs> co- problematic? Facebook is a problem. Well, r- real problem with Facebook is I'm not in charge of what I do on Facebook. Why is that? Right? Because Mark Zuckerberg can use me or my likeness in an ad of something that I don't even know okay, what it is. What he, can't, so you, he can't do that anymore, though, I thought. Oh, yeah. really? He yeah. undid that? Yeah, I think uh, that was something that wasn't supposed to happen, supposedly, or they backtracked about that. Hmm. They do. They go two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. It's sort of an ever-evolving user agreement. I mean, where the part that I had gotten concerned about was, you know, I'm on there as an author, right? I'm on there, buy my book, love me, right. you know, and like my ideas. Um, I can't do that. I can't solicit <clears throat> the likes of other people, of readers, of people who I'm supposedly uh, uh, advising about this stuff – uh, especially about sort of media ethics and integrity, I can't invite them to like my page when that very act of liking is making them vulnerable to marketing that's going to be passing through me beyond my control. Yes and no, because they're also providing you with this excellent connection with all these people that's available through Facebook, which is not as limited as Twitter with 140 right? characters. No, and I'm willing to pay for the privilege <clears throat> to reach those people, but right. I'm not willing to have them and their likenesses used to represent things. I don't think that hmm. they understand that what liking makes someone vulnerable to. You know, I don't feel so. I mean, on some sense, this is patronizing. I guess what I'm saying is, I think I know stuff about this technology that they don't. If they all knew really how this worked, if they all knew the implications of what they were doing, then I would say let's let's go for it. But, but ultimately, the do. worst consequences is what marketing they're going to be marketed to. They're going to be represented, so their image would then be put on something. Oh, so if they, but no, I'm pretty sure they. I'm 100 percent sure they dropped no, they, that. Right? Didn't they drop that thing of using yeah. their photos in advertising? Yeah, and, like and you're not going to profit. They're, they, they're not allowed to just take your photos and just uh, just go. Not hey, your photos. No, they're not going to do it with your photos. That was your you're talking about Pinterest, or you're talking about the 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 photo the photo thing they bought. I'm no, talking about no, sponsored Instagram stories. About using, but for you were saying like using it. I'm for saying about sponsored sponsored stories and how they use people in a sponsored story. At least the day that I quit at that point, it would nothing. Oh, you could turn that off. But yeah, that, 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 there's things like that that are on, but there's ways to turn them off. I'm, not, there I'm, are. I'm confused. Maybe. There what are. Is, but what you is see, a but, sponsored story? See, but what do you, you mean? You see, people don't know. I feel like most people don't know. And just to be there, it just didn't seem like – and it also – because I so don't trust who they are and what they're, what they're about. I don't trust them as a company the way I want to trust – the kinds of companies I like get bigger and bigger and uh-huh. deeper and deeper into my lives and eventually put probes in my brain. And Do you not trust them because Justin Timberlake played him in a movie? Is that <laughs> oh, he played the other one. No, he played the other one. He played Sean. He played the good guy. No, he played. Just What's the MySpace story and how much of it is uh, about coke and whores? <laughs> right. is, is that, oh my God. is that what happened with those guys? Yeah, I, it, Do they just take that it's money a Timberlake and go crazy? Thing now, right? <laughs> but if you're if you're going to if you're going to take Facebook, if you're going to say you, I don't trust Facebook, you can't trust Twitter, you can't trust Google, you can't trust any of the stuff. No, you use but nowadays. I'm aware right now. I'm aware of the ways that Twitter. Is broadcast. I feel in control of how I'm tweeted and retweeted. I feel Twitter's like- almost worse though because they're actually to the point where you, you try to go back in time in your timeline, you can't. There, there, there gets a cutoff point where you can't download your own tweets unless you know the exact link. Didn't of that, they end that up? Input. Don't, didn't they end up giving you your history? Uh, they said, but I still yeah. can't do it oh, on mine. 
And, and that's the same with like twit pics or all these photo ones. Like some of so them. So now you're saying that. So which is okay. You're yeah. saying that you want your if you're going to do tweets, you want. I should have in addition to for your free for your free tweeting, mm-hmm. you want them to maintain an archive of you and everyone else forever. Well, I'm I, I personally <laughs> I, I personally don't have a, a a problem with it, but what I'm saying is that that's kind of more ridiculous to me than Facebook. The no. fact that I can't even access stuff that I've that, that I've No, yeah, I mean you can if totally you save it or whatever. Issues, the thing I'm concerned about, I mean this is what in the book I call it digifrenia. You know, I feel like the problem with with digital for most people is not this idea of information overload that there's too much stuff coming at them, but they're they can't maintain more than one online persona uh, simultaneously, that there's too many sort of individual instances of us. And if you're going to have different instances of yourself, you know, even your email inbox is, some, is an instance of a sort. If you're going to have all these different different things out there filling up or interacting, you want to be damn well sure that you're in charge of each one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't feel – I felt like Facebook was now doing things on my behalf. It was like one step of control well, you make a very outside. good point in that having more than one version of yourself becomes very problematic, especially if you're involved in any like real – I mean I'm sure you probably interact with quite a few people every day. And to do that on Twitter is semi-manageable do it to do it when you can. But to do that on Twitter and then have to hop over to Facebook too, it's like you should have one portal, you know, one portal. At, at least one that's – one that – it was always sad, you know, because I don't really – I didn't go to Facebook much. And then I go there and they'd be like some – relative, you know, who said, oh, I just heard of your mom's passing. It's like six months have gone by before I found that message and, mm-hmm. you know, want to uh, uh, console them or whatever. Um, it's it's just such a – it's for me, it was such an awful interface anyway that I was just losing losing stuff there. But yeah, it's uh, – I don't think it just has to do with, oh, well, I get more uh, uh, correspondence from other people. So I've got I've to limit it more than others. I think it really has to do with um, – well, if anything, it's at least I'm the canary in the cage for what's coming for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, people only used to get one or two emails, and now it's just streaming in for everybody. Yeah, if you send me something on Facebook, I don't read it. It's a, just to let everybody know because they pile up. I, I don't have time to read them. So I'm with you in a certain way. I still use Facebook to put up links, but it's connected to my Twitter, and I'm pretty cognizant of that. Yeah. So when I put a tweet up on when I put a link up on Facebook, I make sure it's short enough to fit into a tweet. Yeah, with with a link. But at least with with Twitter, I mean, you you understand what you're putting out. You put out mm-hmm. this little 140 things. It went to your people, and those words are out there. Right. It's like with with a, a tool like Facebook, um, you don't really have the same sense of of ownership over mm-hmm. what's going and you don't have you don't actually have it right. Your picture is used. Douglas went into Starbucks just now. Yeah, I could turn it off. So everyone should turn it off, you know. <laughs> so, right. so again, you know, it's like I feel like it's it's a useful it's a useful tool, but it's it's uh, it's just part of the untrustworthiness of uh, a good portion of the net. Yeah, well, I could see that with someone else being control of the uh, the the interaction, and someone else being control ultimately of like when you sign a user agreement. And you have all this information that you just sort of put up online. You're you're entrusting it to them, and in turn, they're marketing it to you. I mean, that's it's it's a really yeah. clean relationship as long as they don't fuck you. But yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's a point at which you know I'm all I'll let Netflix and I to whoever's in behind my TV remote. I mean, now they know all that stuff, right? Right. I mean, I'll let them craft commercials around me. It's like 
I'll I'll accept in this in this little uh, arrangement we have with business. I'll accept anything incoming, you know. But don't use me for your outgoing. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, once you're taking the person's identity and then saying, "Oh, you know, Alice down the street liked this uh, sitcom too. You should watch that." And then my what I'm watching is getting broadcast to them or what they think I'd be watching. That's where it starts to be like, "Oh, now I'm being disembodied. Now I'm being taken." I think, uh, yeah, it's it's a great. Facebook is one of the most popular websites online, and it's also one of the best ways to waste time. Like you can waste a day easily just looking up people that you used to have sex with. You know, just finding them and going, "What is this bitch up to?" Oh my goodness, look how fat you got. You know, you could do that all day. You could do that all day, and that could be you know entertaining. And you're not getting shit done. It's right. It's like I try to uh, use Twitter. Um, one of the things that I do with it is when in, where, whenever someone sends me something fascinating in a link, I, I retweet it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, you, you become like a portal for cool shit. And people know that if they send me cool shit, I'll retweet it. Mm-hmm. And so you get all this cool shit just starts coming to you when you sort of have that idea. And then it, it, you send it, they send it to you, and then it becomes this really exponentially expanding thing where, you know, it, you – you have this uh, like a radio channel uh-huh. or, or like an information dump. What percent of the, of the tweets that you get do you think you uh, pass on? Um, it's not that high a percentage because it's not always. So you're a someone... thin filter. Well, I'll I have to look at it. You know, I mean, if it's really interesting, I'll look at it. But sometimes they'll send you something. You're like, oh, dude, that's nonsense. Like, what are you talking? Did you see where this came from? Like, you read the link. And you're yeah. like, no, they, they, that is not Bigfoot in that guy's refrigerator. Shut the fuck up, man. Stop sending me this. But but that makes you a reliable, a reliable filter. Yeah, you can't just retweet things. But I do retweet occasionally. If someone sends something yeah. really preposterous, I will retweet it just to see how people react. You know, there's. Um, uh, or if someone, if people get mad at me, I'll retweet it just to see how they react. <laughs> it's just, it's just, we we live in strange times, yeah. man. It's uh, the 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 Twitter interface is a very bizarre one. The idea that you only give them 140 characters and people abuse the shit out of that. Sometimes people send me like 30 tweets in a row, like explaining something to me, like, dude, stop. Well, now you know it's all the the. Do you know things like Snapchat? Have you played with that? Or, or no, what is that? The one where you, you take a picture and it like you can send it, but it dissolves in like three seconds or five seconds. Oh, right. So it's like kids apparently – I mean this is the dark secret. Kids are leaving Facebook. You know, the, the demographic, the younger, like you know, younger than 16 is like falling totally off and they're doing things like Snapchat because – they don't want. They don't want to be putting everything they're doing on their permanent record. I mean, they're finally so kind picture, of hep to like this. They could show someone their pussy, and it only lasts for three minutes. And then you like screen, five seconds. Yeah. You screenshot it though, and then you save it oh. and re-upload it. Well, he knows. But if you <laughs> screenshot it, it t- at least tells them that they've. Uh, uh, I mean, so it's been defeated. Um, it's been hacked. <laughs> but if you screen save it, they uh, at least the person who sent you the thing knows that you did that. They've they've given given that control. But yeah, but just this quest for truly. Uh, uh, you know, truly present-based, non-archivable silliness. Yeah. But you know, it's because when we were silly, we got to do. You know, in the parking yeah. lot of the Seven Eleven, it's like and there was no camera in the back either. It was really just 
what happens in the 7-Eleven stays at 7-Eleven. You know, now it's like it's every single silly thing they did. If they didn't post about it, their friend posted about it. So it's still up there. And it's like may as well be patched, you know, patched into the side of the, the Parthenon. Not only that, but the the ideas behind what you can and can't do are enforced by these archaic laws that were written when none of this digital technology was available. So because of that, you get a lot of weird shit happens. Like there's a one girl who got charged with child porn pornography because she, she was sending photos of her naked body to boys in her class and so the cops arrested her and charged this young girl she was 15 years old with child pornography <laughs> sending pictures child. yeah they, <laughs> i mean you talk about losing the scripts that's that's really losing the script for life i mean that is yeah. that is the nuttiest shit ever you're you you, you found a child porn yeah. kingpin right there no it's like she happens to... to be a child yeah it's like yeah exactly zero tolerance son it doesn't matter if she's a child but dad that's it's her vagina it doesn't exactly. matter son she's a criminal <laughs> Masturba- she's victimizing right. she's masturbation is rape exactly dark yeah. hunger she's feeding the dark hunger son uh. We need to discourage this in a big way. Solitary confinement. Yeah. But that's really just a temporal lag, hopefully. Yeah, I believe know? so. I think um, – That our laws then catch up or we – I mean – and also, I mean, in some sense, a la- lack of privacy could help that along too. It's like if, you know, if Google cameras finding like tens of thousands of people who are just smoking joints in the street of every American city, you know, at some point they have to go, okay – can't Let's just everybody. let people let people yeah. smoke pot. Let gays get married. I would All right, say yes, it. except yeah. the smoke pot thing. There's money in in enforcing it. The biggest is issue is there more with, money in enforcing it sure. than there would be in, in selling it. No, but it would be to different people, and you ah. have to pry it <laughs> right. from the hands of the people that are making money by keeping it illegal. Whether it's the the private prison industry, whether it's the prison guards unions, whether it's different right. pharmaceutical companies that would stand to lose profits. What I, there's going to be a bunch of people that are trying to stop anything, any change, and especially changes in legality yeah. because there's a big business in locking people up for shit. I know. So they're going to have to maintain a, an illegal population, right? <laughs> well, in order to stay alive, they're going to have to arrest more and more. If they're going to have corporate growth, yeah. <laughs> then a greater, greater percentage of America has to be in prison every single year until it's an asymptotic curve and there's like one guy left. That becomes a really interesting scenario if marijuana does become legal and you can trade on the future of marijuana. Yeah. What the fuck? Marijuana does have – there are some stocks that, that are marijuana stocks. Really? Yeah, that people trade. How is that possible? Well, they're the companies that I guess that have already uh, laid out a marijuana strategy or, or they're ready for it. Look at that percentage of the U.S. prison population that are nonviolent drug offenders in the 1980 and then in, in 2012. 10% and then 2012 is 25%. Yeah. The war on drugs, folks, they're winning. More people are in jail. <laughs> I guess the, does that, does the that mean they're winning? I don't know. As long as we have a private prison system, it's good for the economy. The whole thing is fucking bananas. It's just the the fact that in this day and age, you still can't make a a logical argument as to why certain things are legal and illegal. Certain things that are legal, which are devastating to your health. And then when you find out that information's been withheld and that companies may have known about certain risks... No one seems to go to jail. If anything happens, people get fined a little bit. But if that was an individual, a person that did that, oh, my God, there would be a horrible human being, a personal person, one person who's responsible for all the deaths that came from aspirin alone. 
you would want right. them dead. Well, that's why there's some there's some ways to get more conscious of it, though, because it's all of us, right? It's all of us who are part of that system or owning that corporation as shareholders or whatever. And there are these things like, um, have you ever seen uh, slaveryfootprint.org? No. It's a, f- it's a fun website. You've got to do it when you're feeling good about yourself, though. What it does is um, <laughs> uh, you, you put in everything that you own, if you have a car or not, where you live and this and that. And it calculates how many slaves are working for you right oh now. Oh, God. <laughs> and like with like Whatever. Getting the, yeah, yeah, getting the molybdenum for your iPhone or whatever it is. Or, you know, losing their fingers in some switch uh, Isn't some that switch a real up. thing, molybdenum? 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 Yeah, it's a metal. Is it's it? It's a rare, rare metal. Wow. I never heard that one. I've just recently heard of coltan. That's the stuff that they get in the Congo for cell phones. Oh, yeah. Something that's really good with connectivity. For the connectivity. batteries or the connectivity? Yeah. 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 Something to do with electronic yeah, yeah. connectivity and the use of for cell phones. It's, I've, I've found it to be so bizarre. And one of the more bizarre things in life that the most complex stuff that we use, like cell phones, like computers, that the very base of it, the origins are like, there's a mine. There's a hole yeah. in the ground. Well, there's a mine, the but metal. there's also human suffering, yes. which is why I don't like the idea that my computer, which could really do everything I need it to do, is rendered obsolete by changes in operating systems that right. really are unnecessary except to sell another computer. You know, the the difference does not... Uh, but aren't they necessary because they're trying to continue to improve the product and they're continuing to add more functionality? And I stopped believing that, or at least really? at the rate at which they do. I sometimes feel like there's a... Uh, um, it used to be sort of Windows and Intel. That you know, Windows would make a complex operating system so that you'd have to get the next Intel chip, and then Intel would would create a tweak on that that makes you need the next, uh, uh, you know, the next Windows operating system. They sort of would leapfrog each other, and it feels like that with, um, yeah, you know, your your yeah, your iPhone does better things now than three iPhones ago. But what about all these iPhones in the garbage and all these people right. who lost all this stuff? And the amount of time compressed into one of these one of these devices is really intense. You know, that that at least one of our 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 goals when we're developing new technologies and new technology pathways should be, well what's the one that's gonna actually require the sales of the least of the fewest amount of computers. I don't know any many people no at Apple are going, how could we sell how could we need to sell less computers so that we're you know, people don't have to throw out these old ones. Have you seen those photos of Cuba, of the old cars? Yeah. Because Cuba doesn't get new cars. They have cars from like the 50s yeah. and the 60s and, and they keep Yeah, but a lot of them, them are gorgeous though. Yeah, they're beautiful. But they do drive like shit. That's the problem. If you drive like a modern day BMW and then you go back to one of those stupid Chevys from the 1950s, those things are dog shit. Oh, really? They break terrible. They, they handle like a horse on roller skates. They're ridiculous cars. They're so stupid. So if we you had to be to... thrown into Rebel Without a Cause today and you hopped in that car, it, would not be the, it wouldn't be the experience we're thinking. They're dog shit. <laughs> They're terrible. You could, with a Prius, you could easily get away from some guy in a 55 Chevy. <laughs> There's no way he could keep up. There's like those things are terrible. They can't take corners. The brakes are those stupid drum brakes. I mean, they might as well have a rock that you throw out that's attached to a rope to slow your car still, down. Still, you take a you take a '57 uh, T-Bird over a, over a Segway. Yes, <laughs> yes, over just because it could rain. Okay. <laughs> But I like the idea that, you know, they've managed to recycle these cars and keep them working and keep them running. And it's it's really cool to see. Aesthetically, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. I mean, you see a a modern street in this day and age and you see these beautiful 
like, and you could tell they're proud people because these are shiny cars. I mean, they're they're painted nice and they're done well mm-hmm. and they're restored well or or at least maintained well. I mean, I don't know how many miles some of these cars have on them, but yeah. they're they do look. It does look amazing. I know, and there is that. You know, I feel like there's a a hunger for stuff, not just fifties, but also sort of sixties madmen period that the mm. nostalgia for that is yeah. sort of that's right before this digital age started that's yeah. like the height of the tv age and you know putting satellites in space there was that innocence you yeah. know you know it's funny because people look at these kind of shows and say oh you know aren't they uh, uh you know it's about it's about their uh, you know decadence and i'm like no it's about their innocence you know they believe and yeah. they're they got you know, it's that, you know, and you look, go around L.A., it's like everybody's got Haywood Wakefield in their house and trying to get those old GE refrigerators with the sort of rounded covers. You know, there's that longing for, uh, it's like the industrial age just feels so real. You know, it's just solid when people made stuff. You know, it wasn't just kind of printed. Right. Yeah. There's that, that also, like, when you see those cars, there's like such a human element in that old stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, even like 60s muscle cars, like, those were sort of like human created works of art, as opposed to, you know, you look at like a new Mazda or something like that, a real modern car, and they like, looks like something that just like came out of a machine. They screwed it together and it came out of a machine. You look yeah. at like a 69 Chevy, that does it like a no, Chevy Camaro, 69 Camaro, that's, that's something somebody fucking screwed together. There's some men working behind that. There's some people put tires on on the wheel and bolted it down in place. There's some guys who work some wrenches. There's no doubt about it. You look at that thing. That's a mechanical creation. It's not a a computer creation. And we're slowly moving towards the Prius. And I'm I'm fine with computer creation aesthetic if it means that we don't have to work. Right. (laughs) But (laughs) it's like they didn't – it's like – so they get rid of all these guys screwing in the the, mm-hmm. the screws, and it's like so they just then let them stay in their houses. No, those guys are <laughs> no, fucked. They end up fucked. Those, you know, those guys have to pick up and, new exactly, line of work. They have exactly. to evolve. With yeah, the times. but no, that's the whole thing too. It's like so now we have the big problem in America is unemployment, and right. Obama's talking about getting jobs, jobs, jobs for people. Who wants a job? I don't want a job. You don't want a job. People don't want jobs. People want the stuff that you get. When you have a job, they want the money that you get for having a job, but they don't want the jobs. Right. So meanwhile, though, we've got more than enough stuff. We're burning food every week to keep market prices high. We're tearing down – Bank of America is tearing down houses in California because they're in foreclosure. You can't just let someone live in it. That's going to bring prices down. So they tear down. them down? They tear them down. Why do they tear them down? Because they they're, would have to sell at distressed prices that would then lower prices of other properties that they're trying to keep up. Whoa. It would cost them more – I mean, if you own 10 houses in a town and one isn't going to sell, you'd rather tear it down than... Right. And if the bank comes along and creates some sort of a program to give houses to needy people, then... It's going to lower the real estate values of the the mortgages that they've invested in that are already teetering. So they can't do that. So charity itself becomes unprofitable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's never been quite profitable. That's like less than unprofitable. What if we figured out that, okay, we only need, rather than having everybody work 40-hour weeks, which is based on a clock of the industrial age, how much can we have people work in a weekend? What if people don't really have to work that much for us to have everything we want? Right. right. What if 10% of people could work, you know, two days a week and we get everything we want? So you go in, you do your work. I'm going to do my work in April 2007, you know, and then I'm going to go again in March. What if it got that you really didn't need everybody working all the time for everybody to have stuff? We couldn't deal with that. Not because 
we don't have technologies to do that. We can't deal with it because we don't have an economy. We don't know how to divvy out the spoils. You know, the reason that you have a job is so that you can be entitled to a share of what's actually in, in abundance. But because there's not enough jobs for people, we got to rip up stuff and ruin stuff that's in abundance. Right. You but know, because we can't give it out. There's also the social issue of not having jobs when people don't feel like they've made their own way or pulled their own weight. They feel un- they, they feel right. Well, that's why you've got to replace. Yeah, but you've right? got to replace employment. You know, with work, you know, employment is a new invention. Employment, again, industrial mm-hmm. age. We used to work for each other and ourselves. We only got jobs when we got the clock, when we could work on the clock. Then we're employed. Right? But we don't have to be employed in order to work, in order to have meaning. If you don't have to have your job, you don't stop. So you just have to find a new niche into the system. You have to find a, a, a new, new thing. A that new you way do. to contribute to right. your to the world. Yeah, I completely agree with that, that too many people find sort of a, a, a pre-existing way to interact and they don't create their own way to interact. And in, in doing so, you oftentimes miss on one of the best things, which is accomplishing things, whether it's accomplishing starting your own restaurant and keeping it open and, and or, you know, having a car a shop that only fixes a certain type of mm-hmm. automobile that you really love to work on. You know, when you can figure out a way to do something that you actually have a passion for, then it's like that the the old cliche, it stops becoming work. It just it becomes you're, you you don't really have a job, you have uh, a thing that you love. Right, and you're in flow at yeah. that point. But how many know? people have that? And that's well, a real it's, problem. Well, how many you can't have it in this kind of economy, you can't have it. When you're this kind of education system, you can't have it. What about just real naturally dull people that need to be what? pushed they in need a certain to be pushed? direction? Well, yeah, but you know, so not everyone has to be the one that figures out how to do a new method of biodynamic Rudolf Steiner farming on their organic community-supported agriculture plant. Someone can just go there and plant yeah. You know, plant carrots. It's also the issue of how human beings are raised in the first place, which is so huge and not really addressed. The The reason why some of these people fall into these mindless jobs is because never along the line have they been stimulated. Never right. along the line by their family, by the school systems, by their environment, by their atmosphere, by their, you know, their fellow knuckleheads in their community. They're all just surrounded by people who are either like-minded or less or, you know, or support it. And they're, you're kind of fucked. And then when something comes along that eliminates that job for that guy, that robot job when he was 45 years old mm-hmm. or 50 years old, he has to start again and sort of reignite some sort of passion and curiosity or die off like a dinosaur. And it's hard, too, because he was liking the thing he did. You know, yeah. if he's a toll collector, right. you know, and you get it's better and better yeah. at it. And then you start, you know, then test to see how many people you can make eye contact with when you're yeah. getting the tolls and how many lives can you change with that eye. I mean, gosh, you can be that's you could live the bodhisattva life as a toll collector. You, you know, they take that away from him. And it's not just that he can't be retrained. He doesn't have motivation. You know what I mean? It's not that it's not his fault that they broke his heart. You know, they should have a show where a guy's a toll collector. And just see how he interacts with people and then give him projects. Like today, you're just going to casually mention your penis. Yeah. And let's see how many people freak out. <laughs> back, to your, back to your reality roots. <laughs> yeah. But it'd be funny. You do you have to do a toll collector. You got to do it pretty fast. Well, yeah. Well, it's, it's a, <laughs> that'd be a, a weird way to experiment how people interact when they don't have to. When it's right. really quick. You know, how many people treat you like shit? How many mm-hmm. people are like, how you doing? What's going on? Everything cool? All right, man. Yeah. You take care. You know, there's, 
you're going to get a broad variety of the way people interact mm-hmm. with you. I think that would be kind of fascinating. Fun. It wouldn't like hold up as a series, right? But maybe as an, a one hour special, one hour special, yeah. the toll guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just have a guy. Just... And you have we have to do like you break it up with like little, we'll sit down, you yeah, know, little chairs, and then have a discussion about the last couple of ones that we've seen and what it really means. People love yeah. that fast yeah. track thing now, though. They won't don't want to pay a toll. They want to put that little thing up yeah. there and they just go through. Like New York is one of the weirdest scenarios ever because somewhere along the line, they just decided to make people pay to get to the city. It mm-hmm. used to be that they were paying to get the bridge built, but they paid that fucking thing off a long time ago. Every bridge got paid off a long time ago. But the revenue is so intoxicating, they just kept with it. We can't understand that in California because we don't really have a, no, a place. They, we could get anywhere. Those bridges were built, but now they got to all be rebuilt. <laughs> <laughs> they rebuilt the, the I understand. Henry Hudson Bridge. They were building it, building it, and building it. And by the time they finished, they had to start rebuilding it again. It There's took that many years. Two reasons why that's nonsense. <laughs> the, the big one is, is the dumbest way to make traffic. You have a spot where everyone has to stop on the way into the city. That is so stupid. When you are going from Long Island to Manhattan, that is the most maddening shit to do at 8.30 in the morning. You want to fucking kill somebody because it's so stupid. You're making me stop at your little box. You should make people pay, you know, either either you could justify the, the construction of the bridge, the maintaining of the bridge, but they should pay for it through their taxes, and that's it. There shouldn't be a spot where you have to stop, because that's fucking dumb. The only reason why you would want to do that is you want to check cars for bombs or nutty people. Or you're just trying to discourage. Yeah. Well, I guess... Which maybe it's environmentalists to trying to discourage, get people onto LIRR and do rapid transit the way God intended. And discourage people from coming into the city because the, the easier it is to get into the city, the more this traffic sucks and it sucks already. It's terrible. Well, know? make it suck and then charge for making it not suck. There's the special <laughs> lane. Fix it's $20. Suck. You can't fix the suck that way. You, you can just have the green more light. Suck. For $20, we'll give you the green light. Do you live in Manhattan? No. Do you live in New I York? I did. I live in New York. I live in Westchester County now. Oh, uh, I lived in New town. Rochelle for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Hastings on Hudson. Oh. Yeah, it's um that's a that's a beautiful area. That's nice. That whole Westchester has got some nice spots. Yeah. It does. It's a little snooty some of it. So there's a couple of towns in Westchester that kind of retain some yeah, a connection bit. to reality. You know, it's not just Westchester's weird. It is. Though you'll be in a neighborhood where you're seeing these mansions with these giant lawns, and then you'll go uh, half a mile, and you're in the projects. And you're well, like, oh, not projects so much. It's a little more Jersey, Jersey-esque. I mean, yeah. when you drive through the oranges, it's that, it really, you get that sense. I mean, most of Westchester's pretty, uh, pretty affluent at this point. You know, but, you know, it's not as affluent as Manhattan. You know, Manhattan's just, the most affluent in that well, area, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you, if you're inside Bloomberg's bubble, if you made it in there somehow, you know, when you, when an apartment was a million, now you've got ten million dollars of real estate or something. But um, you know, anywhere else, it didn't quite. It's not quite that. Those bad. places are madness. Those multi-million dollar apartments, you're like the the way of living in a, a big city like that is so alien. Yeah. It only exists in Manhattan, where you have so many people living in apartments, and it creates. It's a different. Community and in in a sense, it's more connected than than Los Angeles is. Oh, it is. I mean, most things about it are are kind of more consonant with our 
era and our digital economy and all that. It's a better carbon footprint to stack people up like that, that to have everybody having lawns and fertilizer and whatever yeah. else they get in the suburbs. So, I mean, it's 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 good on, on most of those levels. It's just New York itself is so crazy expensive, you know, through God knows what sort of uh, real estate shenanigans are done. That's what sort of then, for me, colors the uh, the experience of, of you know urban joy there you know mm. no one is an artist or, or a, you know a writer regular of of regular uh, means could live there yeah that's where it gets really crazy where you see a small apartment is like three thousand bucks a month and you're like okay that's just nuts that right. means a guy who makes fifty thousand dollars a year has to give up three quarters of his income to pay his fucking rent that's right. nuts right so it's like I mean I don't know if you need crime. Uh, uh, to to make it better, but you know, if you go back to the the, the era of you know Basquiat, you uh-huh. know, he couldn't live in in Manhattan now. No. You know, none of the none of the folks from then, or the Ramones, or well, they were Queens actually, but uh, uh, you know, or Warhol or any of his. Do you remember Forty Second Street, the real? Yeah, but that's Street? the thing, though. It's like it was also it was criminal. It was you know, it was awful, terrifying. Um, yeah, it was terrifying. And yeah, there's certain some part that waxes nostalgic, but that's not a good old days that you really want to return to either. It's just like how can you have a New York that works and is still artistic and alive and vibrant and fertile and not have people, you know, getting stabbed in the subways? Yeah, and how can you have so many rich people living together? Because <laughs> you have to be rich to live there. I mean, it's it's really difficult to pull off living in Manhattan if you don't have at least, you know, of upper middle class income, so you yeah, know, it's a strange, strange place. Unlike any place in this country, you know, there's no place in the country that's so overvalued. Yeah. You can get a decent apartment in San Francisco for half of what you'd spend on an apartment in Manhattan. I think, although San Francisco now has gotten the worst, something, some, yeah. one of those lists, well, made lo- it the worst. Um, there's some places outside of San Francisco that are just insane. Like we're um, near uh, Stanford. Uh, they have um, – I think it's called Atherton. It's the highest real estate in the country. Uh, and you, you look at these people that I know had this house up there. Is It's a, an acre and a half. It's worth $15 million. <laughs> fucking looking at this house like, what are you talking about? It doesn't make any sense. But it's like everybody in that neighborhood is all – they're all tech people. They all, they all made insane mm-hmm. amounts of money. In the various tech bubbles and booms over the years, and all that Google money's up there, and all that Apple money's up there, and there's just a lot of fucking people that have incredible amounts of cash up there. So real estate, they need houses. This is where they live. So real estate's mm. through the fucking roof, right? Like you will look if you look at like I, I I enjoy doing that sometimes. Like, hmm, could I live in Phoenix? Let's see what you know what the neighborhoods are like in Phoenix, and I'll go look at real estate yeah. in Phoenix for a goof. You look in Atherton and what's $11 million? You're like, get the fuck out of here. That's $11 yeah. million? Well, Jesus. they got to be, you know, bike distance from Facebook or wherever yeah. it is they are. <laughs> it's a, it's they an were. amazing bubble of, yeah. uh, of money, this strange one, a really strange one. Because, again, you go a mile over and we stopped at this Wendy's and it was like a really sketchy Wendy's. Like, we're in there like, this place is kind of fucking dirt baggish to be a mile away from a $15 million house. Like, it's so strange. Well, there's no middle anymore. Yeah. You know, that sort of got, got, got spun out in the, in the spin cycle at the end of, the, the yeah. end of this industrial age here. Well, I mean, you can't say there's none, but I mean, there's certainly a diminished. Very little. Yeah. Very little. But, you know, like you're saying, though, if, if, the, if that lower 98% or 99%, whatever it is, uh, 
gets fed up enough, it'll network with itself rather than trying to get something down from the top. It's not even fed up. It seems like we only act when we're forced to act. Yeah. We, we need a desperation. We need, you know, we need to have no options, and then we move into this new stage of understanding what the fuck the real problem yeah. really is. But that's, and that's different. And again, that's, that's the whole point of, of being in the present, of presentism, is that instead of going on some long march on some other 20th century movement, sort of this eyes on the prize and just the mean, justify the means battle to the future thing, we go, screw all that. We just want it now. Mm-hmm. We're going to just do it. That's what was so encouraging about the Occupy movement. They go, what are your demands? What do you want from us? We don't want anything from you. You know, it's like we're not going to state our demands. We're going to actually do this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where again, but that's do the, what thing though? The, the real we'll issue. We'll try with, to ocu- try to occupy the mm-hmm. world in which we live. I lo- I liken the Occupy movement to white blood cells. Like they recognize there's an issue and they they gather around it and you know it's like it calls attention to the mm-hmm. issue and you know they're but they they're they're gathering around a sick spot. I mean that that they know there's something wrong here, and so everybody's like, "Look, this is the spot. It's all going down right there." Right, and Let's... then they try to educate. They do teach-ins yeah. and learn about stuff. A lot of a lot of people know more about these issues now than did before, and they see it as a super long-term project. I mean, this year they did um, Occupy Debt and the Debt Jubilee. So what they're doing is buying pennies on the dollar the debt of people like who've got. You know, health bills they can't pay and all that because it's just owned by credit companies. Uh-huh. So they buy the debt and just relieve it. Wow. So it's kind of cool. You know, they take $10 and relieve like a thousand bucks of debt. It's well worth it. That's interesting. That's a great idea. And I think that's a, a great community idea. That if, There's a lot of people out there that have a spare $5 or a spare $10. Right. You wouldn't even think about. But if you get enough of those people, you can enact some real change oh, and, yeah. real, and really help people. Um, what do you think is like? What what is a, the best way besides podcasting and besides books and besides having actual conversations with people where you explore these ideas? What is the, what is the best way to get people to understand that true happiness really does come from a sense of community? One of the interviews that I saw with you, you were talking about your youth and you were talking about living in a place where you all shared a large backyard and it became sort of a community thing where everybody would get together and have like a barbecue. Yeah. And this well, it's like interesting. Something- yeah. So well, in Queens and we had – it was like one barbecue pit at the end of the block that was just on all weekend. That's when we were lower middle class. My dad got a better job. We leave Queens. We go to Larchmont, Scarsdale, these, uh-huh. you know, these Westchester Hootie towns. Hootie. Yeah. And it's like you don't barbecue with the Joneses anymore. You barbecue against the Joneses. It's like every single family's got its own like $300 Weber grill in the backyard. And no one would think, you know, it's like you can invite someone over, I suppose. But it's not that. Barbecuing was this solo family activity. And – I was thinking, well, as far as the grill company is concerned, that's better. They'd rather everyone have a grill and nobody grill together because then they get to sell more grills. You know, but what – it's like I've, I've looked in my uh, – uh, not the neighborhood I'm in now but neighborhood I almost went to. It's like everybody on the block had a snowblower. And I'm thinking that's really weird. There's like 10 houses with 10 snowblowers. How many snowblowers do you need per driveway? It's like can't like, every two houses share one or every four houses share one? It's yeah, like, it but what make if sense. you want to just get up in the morning and you don't want to talk to Mr. Johnson see well, if right. you can use the snowblower first because you got to be at work at 730? You, you don't know. want to talk to Mr. Johnson is the thing. Maybe he's a yeah. douchebag. Maybe you know? he is. Maybe you should be able to have your own snowblower. Maybe. The reason he's a douchebag douche is because he's working overtime to save up for that goddamn <laughs> snowblower. <laughs> Easily, right? 
What? The, yeah. Well, there's not a lot of people that are happy out there. It's Thoreau's quote that most men leave lives of silent desperation. Yeah, you know, or today uh, loud desperation. And Marshall McLuhan's <laughs> quote that humans are the sex organs of the machine world. Yeah. And that has this desire to keep up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. You got to pay for those Weber grills, you know. As a, it disconnects us, yeah. you know. I walk in a room now, and I fe- it feels different when I see people sitting on their devices. You know, you used to walk into a room with a bunch of guys. You walk in here, and you, you guys have devices, but you can feel the family. You know, mm-hmm. you can feel you guys are on a, on an animal level in touch with each other's vibe, right? On whatever that subtle level is. And I go into rooms now, and I don't feel the same group dynamic group presence that i used to even teach in a class you know 20 years ago versus going into one today when everybody's you know tweeting what's going on in there it's just a different i'm not saying it's worse although i think it's worse um a a qualitatively different experience they have more choice over what they do they can divide their attention the way they want they have more autonomy over all these things but they're losing um and maybe it's out there on the net somewhere maybe by the time we're in the great great second life we reconnect but they're they're missing a certain subtle animal contact that we don't yet fully understand maybe it just needs to be mitigated like maybe we need to just uh understand and and explore like the ethics of uh when to and not to use cell phones when to and not to connect and encourage more connection and like let people know they're like look that is an impulse just like washing your hands too much mm-hmm. or just like there's a there's a like a lack of satisfaction in the um satisfying or the uh the completion of that impulse the, the check yeah. your twitter you check your twitter check your twitter again what are you getting out of that why why not pay attention to the person who's in front of you you're doing yep. it just like a nutty person washes their hands a hundred yep. times yeah i mean row. that's the whole po- that's the whole reason i write you know, yeah. <laughs> my books are the book before this one's called Programmer Be Programmed. And the idea was just to give people sort of the 10 biases of digital media. Like they're really good for doing things far away. They're not good for doing things with someone in the same room, mm-hmm. you know, because they're there. Yeah. You know, just really simple stuff like that or this time idea, you know, that's which is that digital technology is asynchronous. It doesn't live in time. So don't you try to keep up with it because right. it's not in your temporal universe. It's in its own, you know, and you can make it conform to yours, but certainly don't run – and chase it. It's that. It's kind of it's it, at this point it's education. It's just having the conversation, letting people I I I'm that's the whole thing. If they become more aware then you know, then they stand a chance. I, I certainly think a lot of these things have sort of snuck up on us and we could all do with a, a lesson or at least an, an idea uh, of uh, how to manage them more more, right. more humanly. You exactly. Know? And the trick is for people not to see, and this has been my whole thing, not to see the messenger of this as the one who's saying, oh, this stuff's so bad. Oh, whoa, the children are turning more violent. You know, that whole kind yeah. of PBS-ish um, hand-wringing thing that so many writers are out there. It's like, are you for technology or against it? Are you for it or against it? You right. know, and if you're not just going, yay, 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 go business, they think you're against it. And it's like, no, no, I'm for technology. I'm just against the way we're happen to be using it right now. I don't think there's a, any. I, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that people are. I think fundamentally less happy now. I think than they have been in a long time. If you look at the amount of people that are on medication mm-hmm. uh, for happiness, I mean, that's really what it is. And yeah. if you're on an antidepressant, essentially you're on a medication for happiness. And whether or not that's because of a chemical imbalance mm-hmm. that you suffer from or because of the fact that your job sucks and your life sucks and you, you just, you're just filled with suck every day and you're responding yep. to that. Well, for whatever it is, if you look at those numbers, one or two things is happening, probably both. One, we're getting fucked over by these pharmaceutical companies.
companies and they they get unethical doctors to prescribe that shit mm-hmm. with impunity. There's that for sure. But then there's also like people are not connecting to this world. They don't they don't feel whole. They well, don't right. feel satisfied. And if you're in great pain, it's better to only be in moderate pain or mild pain if you mm-hmm. can take a pill. I mean, what's hard to do is to get people to go, "Oh, well, actually that pain is is kind of a good sign because it means that we all need to kind of work here to change <laughs> to right. change the way the world is and and uh, and take some action. The pain is trying to get you to change. Right. The pain is trying to get you to avoid the, the pain, and you should use your logic to say, "Well, what's causing this pain? Well, there's a disconnect. I'm not. Right. I'm not. I'm not emotionally satisfied. I'm not connecting with my fellow humans. Right. I'm missing something. Right. Unless you're up against the wall, and there's nothing you can do to change your circumstances. In which case, yeah. you're going to take the pill. Well, you know, it's yeah. the, it's that's the. That's the danger there. But I do think the more people can start to get in touch, you know, for me, it's these rhythms, you know, the rhythms of life, you know, the 28-day lunar cycle and the fact that each week of a lunar cycle, your neurotransmitters change, right? So you have an acetylcholine week followed by a serotonin week, followed by a dopamine week, followed by a norepinephrine week. It's like every month is one boom, 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 boom. If you know that, then you're like, oh, this is the dopamine week. That's why I feel like this. Or I'm getting strangely analytical. How do you know when it's a dopamine week well, or now, acetylcholine well, you go week? To, or... Actually, there's a website somaspace.org that he's got it he's got it laid out there was originally it was an olympic trainer um irving dardick who figured this stuff out he was uh doing like exercising people at different times of the day in different parts of the month and they you know they've been looking at bio you know uh biological clocks for many years ever since the you know major league baseball pretty much discovered jet lag that people you know get more jet lag when they travel west to east than east to west Mm -hmm. they realize oh these clocks are not folklore there's actually something going on here. So there's circadian rhythms for the day and the night, but there's also all these other rhythms controlled by different, you know, uh, uh, you know, weather and astronomical features. And traveling like that really does fuck with those rhythms, right? Yeah. Yeah. But as people get in touch with them, um, I think it could help us, uh, uh, you know, get out of some of these, uh, uh, you know, drug, uh, drug relationships that we're having, you know, where we're taking drugs in order to compensate for those shifting neuro- neurotransmitters because we're trying to be on all the time. You right. know, I'm in sales, so I got to be in sales when I'm in dopamine week or in serotonin week. You know, and that's that's hard. Well, there's also the the arrogance of the human mind to think that it can manipulate the human mind. You <laughs> yeah. know, the human mind going, look, I don't like how things are running here. Yeah. I think I am going to take over the running of me. And uh, I'm going to invent some shit that makes me run more to my liking. I'd rather just be okay with everything. Yeah. Uh, I want to be high all the time and okay with everything. Yeah. Okay, can you get that? And then one day they're going to get what you feel like when you're on ecstasy. And it's going to be keep it all day. Just be on ecstasy yeah. all day, enjoying the world. Wow, you've never seen this guy this color blue. You're going to be so happy. They don't let you have those though. They don't let you genuinely have those drugs because when you, if you're as high as you are in ecstasy or as high as you are in pot, then you start figuring things out. Mm. And then you start unwinding that relationship and becoming less dependent on, on so them. It could, yeah, I mean even just a shift in the, the levels of things and yeah. the approach to things gives you, uh, oh, this is a new consciousness space that I'm yeah. occupying here for whether it's a brief moment or a long, drawn-out, crazy trip. Right. And but in, that's different than the sort of, sort of palliative care of of you know of pharmaceuticals sure yeah yeah that that does the exact opposite yeah. it's true the ones that are available that you could buy on a regular basis are the ones that bring you closer to the hive drone exactly you, like slow you drone like, drugs yeah just let you accept more and take more even you know caffeine and alcohol you yeah. know are such are you know easier 
them to tolerate. The one that's interesting that sort of is playing both sides of the, of the field here is Adderall. Uh, you know what I mean? Because they use it to control little kids. You mm-hmm. know, Adderall, it's like Ritalin. It's one of these uh, ADD drugs that keeps those kids from, you know, acting out or whatever in class. But also the counterculture is taking it for, uh, you know, to write, to mm-hmm. write or yeah. work or to get that uh, uh, – kind of a more speed like euphoria. Work, right i've never fucked with it but the people that i know that have said it said it kind of campers creativity right i guess i guess it's more for uh it's more like a speedy yeah thing. cramming for a test or yeah whatever. yeah like getting work done organizing shit like my friend robert schimmel rest his soul uh he um uh, he accidentally took it once and he had heart issues it was kind of a crazy story. He he picked up the wrong pill. It was someone else's prescription, and and, and took an Adderall. And then he called his doctor. He's like, "What? Am I in trouble? Am I, I'm scared. You know, I got this heart condition." The guy's like, "You're gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine. You're just gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be uh, doing a lot of things over the next few hours. So just accept that." <laughs> so he takes it. Yeah. And he said he just starts fucking organizing his office, and he sat down in front of his notes, and he said, "I got more work done yeah. than I've ever gotten before." But it's, well, yeah, that's the, why they call it speed. Yeah, right? but it's you know, uh, it's a great. You it's pay like, a price. Yeah, it's the ultimate industrial age drug, I guess, because it it makes you more more productive, more efficient. I've had time. quite a few friends who've had an issue with it. Several, you know, a, a good friend, very smart guy who uh, just went, um, just got off of it, and you know, he he went crazy with it for mm. like several months, and, and he was uh, starting up a business and working at a, a tech company, and it was a lot of hours and. He just, just took a little Adderall yeah. to help him along the way, and next thing you know, he needed Adderall every day. Yeah, yeah. They do say this to sort of. I think speed, long-term speed use, is the closest they can model schizophrenia with drugs. Mm. You know, if you've been on speed freak for a really long time, <sighs> you get way closer than with any you know psychedelic or something. Yeah, I told, well, it, it just seems like it just redlines yeah. your system. Yeah, Lindsay Lohan's plea deal, one string attached. I want my Adderall. Was that TMZ? Yeah, it's, TMZ she, so she, you know, she's supposed to be in that like prison or that rehab for the next whatever sixty ninety days. Is she? She's trying to get a plea deal so she can get Adderall in there. Wait a minute, they're putting her in jail again. Yeah. What for this time? Uh, I think it was for hit and run back in two thousand ten <laughs> or something like that. I can't remember. Oh, poor kid. I've been following it. It's Boy, there's another too. weird aspect of our new society that children become famous. You know, that I mean, back in the Shirley Temple days when they invented yeah. that, there was like two of thought, them. Yeah, yeah. Who would have ever thought that you would get a person like a Lindsay Lohan? We raise them from the time they're a child, and they never know anonymity, and just. Yeah. Is long to escape every day, longing to get fucked up and just drift away in a drunken stupor and not have to think about it. Yeah, and they can't leave it is the thing because they're also addicted to to it. Yeah, and if you do leave it, it's almost worse to have been a has-been than to be a never was. A never was. You see a person walk down the street, you never go, oh, look at that loser. He was never famous. You just go, oh, there's a guy. So I'll tell you, it reminds me, there was this moment that I still don't know exactly how I feel about it when they did the – they did the Brady Bunch reunion. It's like 10 years after the show, whatever, 20 years. And Jan didn't show up. They had a different girl for Jan. And I was like, you, you go, girl. In other words, she broke free. She Jan went, moved on. Yeah. In other words, she probably – Eve Plum, she probably got you know all this crap for not going. And a lot of people probably thought, oh, because she's probably too screwed up or some problem, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, you know, you went. <laughs> you went into the future. You know, and you were not going to let that just – you know, define you no matter what. Yeah, or she wanted money and they didn't. Or they wouldn't pay give her to and, her. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I but know. Yeah. But that's media is good for projecting. 
But there's something very sad about people that live completely in the past. Like if you were on a show in the 1970s and you're still going to those autograph signing things. And it's hard. I heard, uh, who was it, Barbara Eden on the radio. Ooh. You know, I drew my genie. Yeah. And I was thinking, man, that's one of those... It's one of those things. Well, Barbara Eden also was in a time where you didn't make money. Like, you didn't get that residual cash. Residuals the whole time, yeah. Where people are still selling I Dream of Jeannie. <laughs> I'm sure you know, they she are. would Lunch still be getting Lunch a bells. piece. Yeah. But no, you didn't, she, didn't get, she didn't get a slice. Back in those Gilligan's Island days, mm. those guys didn't make any money. They, they got fucked over. The Gilligan's right. Island days was, uh, the you know, like... Back in the day, they never knew about like syndication. They didn't. They didn't have any idea that things are going to be worth so much money, and then in a, a digital form forever. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up, dude. I was supposed to be at my next thing by now. Whoops! It's like five thirteen. How long is are, is this podcast allowed to be? Or do you we just it? go? You just go. We and go. People download the whole thing. Yeah, we never go for more than three hours. Do you have to leave? Is that what I'm you're supposed saying? to go? Where are you going next? What is it? What am I doing? I mean, I've already missed thirteen minutes of it. Um... We Jason Calacanis. We down can at least there. apologize to that. Yeah, Jason Calacanis, he does this conference called Launch. What is it? And it's like Silicon Valley entrepreneurial. what's going to happen next in technology. So is it like hour. an interview or a yeah. podcast? And or? then another podcast. No, a, a video podcast. Well, this is too. Um, but that's like only like you click on the thing. For a digital theorist, you're, and, you're a little uh, bit out of touch with numbers, my friend. No, and uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> And uh, then Richard Metzger, do you know him? He does Richard a d- dangerous, um, dangerous Minds website. Richard Metzger. It's really no, fun counterculture. You would like it. You would like it. He's comic. local. He does a great. Uh, he used to do disinfo. He invented that. Oh, okay. That whole website. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. Well, Matt, Matt Staggs, the publicist. Yeah, yeah, he's on disinfo. From, yeah, that's where I know him from. All right, so you got to get the fuck out of here. I do. Well, dude, this has been uh, an awesome conversation, really fun. Uh, yeah, know. it's great to meet you. Great to meet you, too. Thank you very much for coming on. And people, please uh, go pick up his book. It's called uh, Future Shock. Present Shock. Pres- excuse me, Present Shock, When Everything Happens Now, right? So that's exactly, right? yeah. Okay. Available now. Is it available on audible.com? Um, they just, they're the company that just emailed and said they want to do the... Uh, they the want to do the audio? Yeah, audio? they want to do the audio book. They so, better. Yeah, yeah that's why. It. Yeah. It's crazy that it's not. Needs to be done, right? Definitely. Audible. Go, go, go get it. Go get on it. Um, but um, uh, you could get it right now on Amazon.com, uh, on your website, DouglasRushkoff.com. Rushkoff.com, yeah. Uh, thank you very much, man. Really thank appreciate you. It. It's been yeah, a lot of fun. Good to meet you. Thanks to uh, the sponsors of the podcast. Thanks to Audible.com. If you go to Audible.com forward slash Joe, you can get one free audiobook and 30 free days of Audible service. Um, thanks also to stamps.com. And if you uh, click on the link on stamps.com and use the code JRE, you uh, you get a special offer, no risk trial, plus a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale that you should not use for illegal purposes. Thanks also to Hover. Hover.com forward slash, what is it, Rogan or something? I have to have too many fucking things. I know. You shouldn't make it all attention. the same. Yeah, I should, but. I don't have control of that shit. Hover.com forward slash Rogan. Go there. Get 10% off your domain name registrations, and they, they give you free shit like who is domain name privacy, and they're awesome. And thanks also to Onnit.com. Go to O-N-N-I-T, and if you use the code name Rogan, you save yourself 10% off any of our awesome supplements. All right, folks, uh, that's it for the week. Uh, I got shit to do, yo. I'm busy. I got a lot of things happening. 
And uh, next week um, is going to be a little sketch because I'm on the road for most of the week, so we might bang out one only next week. Try to get through it. This is all temporary, and we love the fuck out of you dirty bitches. All right, so we'll see you soon. Oh, Indianapolis this weekend, Saturday night, uh, April 6th. I'll be in Indianapolis with Tony Hinchcliffe, and uh, if you've seen my Live at the Tabernacle special that's available for 5 bucks on JoeRogan.net right now, this set is 100% new. There's nothing from that on, on any of these shows. So to answer all these people's questions, if you should I go see you if I just bought the special? It's all new shit. I got an hour and 20 minutes now of all new shit. And, then I'm, and I'm actually happier with it than my last special. So can, can it's I, a can I just beautiful say thing. That uh, Kevin Pereira this week, we're going to have some good podcasts. So if uh, you're like freaking out needing a podcast there you go pendulette on thursday oh excellent uh, reggie watts tonight excellent yeah pendulette awesome that's great you're gonna do it is he in town uh yeah i think just he's in town one day or something like that wow yeah he's awesome he's a great talker too that guy will go on and on and on yeah i think we have cheech and chung next week oh and cheech and chung together yeah oh interesting all right Uh, uh, douglas rushkoff ladies and gentlemen thank you everybody we'll see you soon all right bye